Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Six Pixels Under podcast. I hope everybody can hear me correctly and see me correctly. Also, let me move myself over to the corner really quickly. Let's do that today. I don't know why all of a sudden my chat's overlaying on my... Hey, we're doing it live though, right? Welcome to this week's podcast, episode 48. And we don't have any current news that I was going to get into. Um, just nothing really came out. Uh, I'll tell a funny story though. But before then, uh, we will talk a lot about MMO stuff today. So there is a bunch of MMO news. Um, obviously, WoW Classic has been out, um, as you can tell, um, uh, about the bags under my eyes. But there's also been a bunch of other news, like Archage Unchained was announced. Uh, you had, apparently, Games Workshop has announced a Warhammer free-to-play MMO. <laughs> so we have that to react to. Guild Wars 2 had a big announcement recently. And uh, I also believe uh, Perea Chronicles was just recently canceled by... Uh, by uh, was, it, was it Nexon or Gamago? Where's my link? Sorry, it's on Inven, so I've got to translate the article every single time I want to open it up. Yeah, it was Nexon. Okay, I was like, Nexon? I'm not trying to be racist, but which Asian company was that? Nexon, NCSoft, and Gamago, and which one am I missing? Uh, Pearl Abyss. Those are like the main Asian companies, right? Or am I missing any? If German 2 is in chat, I'm sure he can correct me. Cause <laughs> uh, he knows all about those games he's probably one of the few people who seems to have played more than I have of those uh, free to play uh, Asian MMOs I had a big time uh, period where I got really into those and it was because I couldn't afford to play a game that had a sub fee and this was kind of like after Galaxies had you know, gone on its way down probably between like 2008 or 9 and 2012 and I remember just playing whatever random free-to-play game you could play. And you would just play games that you'd go from game to game to game. And no, no joke, it would feel like you're literally playing the same game. In some cases, it would feel like you're playing the same game. Like I remember playing Arch Lord, um, Two Moons, uh, <laughs> Aria. Um, what, what, what am I missing? I, there, there's a bunch of other ones. Uh, I, no, I, I already said that one. Oh, of course, uh, everyone knows Maple Story, Decaron, um, Dungeon Fighter Online. Those ones play a little bit different from each other, though. To be fair, the ones that I just mentioned. But anyway, <laughs> there's a lot. Yeah, so we have a bunch of MMO uh, talks to get to today. I was hoping to get a roundtable today, but if we don't have enough people showing up, which I totally understand because it's Labor Day uh, and you guys are just chilling, um, then I'll just uh, rant a bunch and you guys can ask me questions. And that's kind of what I had planned today anyway, um, besides the MMO news that I wanted to get out of the way. Um, but this week's weekly topic for the MMO roundtable is a classic WoW discussion, as you probably expected uh, discuss your views on the launch of the game your experience is playing and on how it has affected the market. So if you just want to tell me from a player's perspective, that's cool. Maybe an outside player's perspective. Maybe you want to look at it from a macro perspective. Whatever perspective you want to look at it, um, just react the kind of classic wow. And, and more than just the game itself, because like I guess like 
for those who expected it to be what it was, they're not really surprised. Like I'm not surprised uh, about the game because I had been playing uh, vanilla while in preparation, and you know there's some things that have changed, but it feels like the same game to me generally. So um, I, I haven't felt surprised in any respect. But maybe you have, and you want to talk about it. So that will be a little bit later. Uh, in fact, not much after I get the news out of the way. Because uh, I'm saving this podcast for rants. So if you'd like to get me going, just ask me questions. Um, <laughs> push on my buttons, if you will. <clears throat> Today's one of those days. Got to get some energy out. Okay, so let's go ahead and jump into the first topic that I wanted to get to. And um, this one's actually not really news. But maybe I guess we could just start with a shit post first. Um and then see what see what happens. Hey, thanks for the follow. Oh yeah, you want your story? Okay, card. Um, sorry. So the story was um, let me go big screen again. The story for last night. My <clears throat> my cousin, one of his good friends, just so he, but his dog. Um, for some reason, sometimes when he at night, it's like. He gets scared because he thinks he's alone in the house, and he has like a double bark, so he goes like, and he can like echo it like. And so I actually went to sleep early. That's the funny thing. I went to sleep early, and he woke me up at two a.m. And so guess what I did at two a.m., guys? These are genetics, by the way. The bags under my eyes, but today they're extra baggy. What What did you guys think I did at two a.m.? Played WoW. Of course I was going to go play WoW. Why wouldn't I? Um, I'm not one of those people who can go back to sleep. I played WoW to like 6 a.m. Here I am. Happy Labor Day, everybody. Anyway, the topic that I wanted to uh, react to. Unpopular opinion. But WoW Classic is kind of boring. I downvoted because this is not an unpopular opinion. And it's something that I wanted to rant about. Right? I wanted to rant about this. Now, unpopular opinion threads in general, I actually can't stand. I'll be honest. Kind of, I kind of hate them. Because they're usually somebody who thinks that something is unpopular just because it seems to go against maybe the, the vast majority. But it's like, uh, think about this for a second. If WoW is the most played MMO of all time, doesn't that mean paradoxically, essentially, that it also is the most not played because if you think about it so many people play but not everybody stays they have a, a downturn they lose players so it's like they've probably lost more players than games have had as active populations so is it really unpopular to think that wow any state is you know uh thinking it's boring is unpopular per se i actually don't think so and I, and I say that as somebody who, when I uh, played WoW <clears throat> for the first time, that was in 05 or 06, when uh, TBC came out, um, I was playing it on a private server because I couldn't afford another sub because I was already playing Star Wars Galaxies at the time and Guild Wars 1 and a bunch of other games, whatever games I could get into. Um, and I remember back then trying WoW a couple of times and just it never really clicked with me. Didn't like the graphics. Um, I was used to kind of like different, you know, maybe more open-ended games. And I didn't, I didn't really like that style. Um, but back then, 
I was always banging on the drum that I thought WoW was kind of over. And I thought that it had a lot of obvious glaring flaws. And I hated that people used its success as an argument. It's like art, if that makes sense. And uh, I just wanted to bring up this topic today because if you guys didn't know that about me, I largely had existed outside of WoW for a long time in my MMO career. It was, I tried multiple times to get into the game, like at least four or five times, and I, and I quit every single time. But recently, playing Classic WoW, about the only time I've wanted to keep playing the game. And it's like, I'm not fast leveling right now. I mean, I've got a, uh, a hunter at level 22, and I've got a uh, warrior at level 12 or 13, I can't remember. And I've been leveling the craft slowly as well. Like, it's just enjoyable for me to get back into an MMO and have a guild experience and play with people and talk and have like a social group. And look, I'll be honest, like where I live, uh, my, my best friends don't live near me. They live far away. And you feel that after a while, especially when you're a social person like me. It's just that I'm a nerd and a social person, which is like sometimes a bit of a, a weird mix or people don't think it goes together. Uh, it does. It's just that, you know, it's hard to get people who just want to be social over video games out there in the public space because they got rid of arcades, damn it. And I'm just kidding. But, but you know, there's a couple like arcades and not here at least, but there's a couple bars you can go to that have like tabletop uh, stuff and board games. But really MMO communities are like the number one place in my eyes to go to when you want to play a game socially and work together to accomplish goals with other players and so it's like what's so beautiful about mmos is that when you're a kid uh, and you become a man or a woman and you graduate your high school or go to college or whatever you choose to do in your life and you you look at like your life and you think man i used to have all these friends from my social groups from a school we used to meet every day like I, I kind of feel lonely now like I miss a lot of that activity and people do because we're social creatures um, they miss a lot of that when they get out of school and I think you know interestingly enough that's kind of where MMOs can kind of uh, bridge a bit of that gap socially where it's a place that you can meet people it's a place that you can share a hobby and it's a place that no matter what type of skill you've got you can find someone play with uh, somebody to group with and uh, I don't know it just seems a lot more closer to what you're used to and or community like environments and I don't want to get too much into that but essentially the reason for that at least in my eyes is because um, humans are social creatures but we're not supposed to exist in large groups like if you look at how we were originally founded we weren't in big large massive million people groups in like a certain amount of square feet it was more of like groups here, groups here, group there. And if you think about a guild and an MMO, I mean, that's essentially what it is. So it's funny to think about that. <laughs> it's usually like a smaller social group uh, when compared to like, I don't know, like a massive alliance or something. You always, you're always happy to help people whose content I enjoy. You should go into Guild Wars 2 news. I feel like you could have a very opinionated and welcome take on it because it's a dumpster fire right now. Uh, man, the, the, the hard thing with certain games, the reason why you guys don't hear me talk about them that much, because I almost like avoid talking about them. And to me, a good example of that is just like SWOTOR men. SWOTOR and Guild Wars 2, those ones are personal to me. So they, they kind of they sting a little bit. Because uh, I'm moving. I said 
Actually, no. That one fits better. We're doing it live. But those are those games are so personal to me. <laughs> I hate how personal because it like it certainly does cloud your judgment in some way. Um, really into something. It's just normal human nature to become biased or something that meant a lot to you. Sleep is for the week. Yeah, but anyway, that's all I wanted to talk about with that Reddit thread is like, I hate when people say unpopular opinion. Oh, but like, I don't like classic WoW or I don't like WoW. It's like, I don't really know if that's unpopular. Because like, I've been saying that for a long ass time. And I've seen people saying that for a long ass time. Because inevitably, you're the biggest player in the market. You're also going to have a lot of hate directed at you. And you saw that in tons of small games. Since I played a lot of these smaller MMOs, you saw a lot of hate for a while because they saw it as a game that was like killing their game. So people had like a lot of vitriol. And I think that's why like it was weird, but when WoW Classic was like about to come out, you saw all of this vitriol where it was like almost irrational. Like people saying like galaxy brain level takes like, but no one's going to play it or like the servers are going to have to merge or like whatever else. And it's just like, have you, do you just, just not pay attention to what already exists out there. Like, of course, the servers were going to get taxed. Of course, they're going to have to add more servers and all that shit. I expected the game to be very popular and that it was going to be more popular than whatever servers they allotted. I kind of thought that that was like the prevailing wisdom, considering we knew how popular it was in general and also at that time when it launched and on private servers for like the quadrillion years it's been around. Eight or nine years whatever however old the oldest vanilla server is but i don't really have anything else to talk about that topic all right so here's what i was talking about earlier though that i wanted to get to um some arcage news and this is from gamago directly uh the company that recently acquired their rights from uh well i guess they kind of asset purchased uh Trino, good old Trino. Arcage Unchained is going to be released on September 30th. And there's been a bunch of details that were released with this. So according to the uh, article, um, you can start your pre-order already. And they have three different founders packs. Now, if you just want to pay the absolute minimum, you pay $25, $26, just about. I think it might be 30 with the tax. I'm not really sure because this number looks really weird. <laughs> looks like it's like translated. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Anyway. I'm trying to find... Where did I put my... Okay, here. Sorry, I like to look at my screen to make sure everything is coming in all right. So it's a buy-to-play game. There's no sub-fee. Um, there's supposed to be no... Uh, player advantages in the game except just cosmetic items emotes and just things like that and then they're having some sort of a battle pass feature where it's almost like a premium battle pass which is kind of like a subscription in a, in a way at least from how it sounds um but yeah i mean as they say here they're boasting about fair pvp they're boasting about uh unlocking powerful items by just playing the game because that's kind of how battle pass works like when you level up and you progress your character you unlock like more rewards it's kind of the new thing you know it, it might actually soon enough need its own 
need its own business model uh, delineation. You know, you might need to start thinking of buy-to-play games. You might start need to think of uh, free-to-play subscription games, but also potentially maybe you have to start thinking about battle pass games. Maybe that's the it's a strange name for a business model, but what else are you going to call it when they all call it a battle pass? This, of course, has people kind of like a mixture of excited, but also like wary because they're just not really sure what to expect. Gamago as a company doesn't have the best track record. I mean, if you just take a look at the kind of games they have in their stable, you can kind of see that. Check this out. Oh, man. Publisher reviews getting tanked. Glassdoor getting tanked. Let's check out their games. Echo of Soul, Iron Sight, Aura Kingdom, Fiesta North, Grand Fantasia, Last Chaos. And they have a bunch of browser games. And yeah. Oh, Shia, another game I played. Yeah, um, not exactly the best uh, track record with not putting a bunch of pay-to-win shit in their games. I think the best example of this is probably going to be said online already, so I don't even really find it myself. Why does a company making profits have 300 volunteers? <laughs> Company size small, about 80 employees, over 300 volunteers. I think what they mean is interns. <laughs> People they sucked into into monetizing the shit out of uh, the MMO player base. Yeah, so pretty much all of these games are download to play, uh, which means that they're going to have some form of cash shop, uh, premium membership. Some way of monetizing. Somebody uh, linked me this article before. I was hoping I could find it. <laughs> 8.24 uh, million Gamago passwords. Gamago services affected by illegal intrusion. I know Tryon sold off to them. There's one game in particular that they did where they had like a really egregious form of uh, of pay to win in it. I'll have to ask around my chat. Wait a minute. Oh, that's why they merged with Area Games. That makes a lot of sense. This company doesn't exist on its own anymore. Ah, so we have some. These are where the games come from. They are actually the ones that publish these games, which means that Gamago kind of just like showed up and started monetizing it, at least from the looks of it. Here are a bunch of games that Area did. This will this will uh, jog a lot of your memories. Guns, Twelve Sky. Of course, I've played both of those games, as I'm sure most of you have, or a good amount of you have. A Perfect World, <laughs> the Spanish version. Runes of Magic. Ooh, that's a good one. That, that might be a port, though. Bless. Uh, that one ring a bell, everybody? Bless? 
What else we have? Heroes of Gaia, I remember that one as well. Draken Sang uh, online. And Age of Conan Unchained, apparently. Yeah, so um, anyway, they don't have the best history. And so that's why people aren't just outright excited so far about the Arcage announcement. Because if what they say is true, and there was a recent interview um, that they had, uh, I believe it was a live stream where they um, they answered a bunch of uh, questions from the audience, and uh, and they did they they addressed all the serious questions right out the gate. I'm trying to remember where this damn interview is, uh, of course, because I didn't save it when I. I don't remember if I read or watched it. I'm sure somebody in chat has seen that as well, right? I'm not... Wait, what? Apparently my window just... Go. That was weird. I lost my dashboard, so I missed your chats. Okay, so yeah, huh? That's weird. Anyway, I'm sure we can find it if we just go to their web. Oh, not Treon Worlds. Is their website still? I guess they they literally didn't even change the splash page yet. They took over the company and yet they left it like this. <laughs> Sorry, that's just kind of funny. Huh, that's strange that they don't even have the news on here. So you have to go to like the Twitter. Here we go. This is what I'm looking for right here. Y'all see this? It's that stream. Somebody did a summary of it where they broke out, uh, they broke down uh, all of the questions that were answered. And this is so recent. It's so hard to find uh, information about it. I guess we could just go pick through it a little bit if you guys want. Since it doesn't seem like we're not or we're going to have a choice. It doesn't look that long. Hello everyone. Welcome to our very first live stream about Arcade Unchained. We're really happy to be here. I'm Sam Jaya. I'm Sam Carandash. What's going on Twitch? My name is Colin. I'm the executive producer for Arcage. We are streaming live from our Berlin studio. It's really great to see you guys. It's good to be back. You know, we have been off the air for, I don't know, close to a year now. Play approach to Arcage, and they say, you know, Arcage could be the best game, but, and there was always that comma after it, 
And so this internal dialogue That's true. began mostly, you know, it started at Tryon probably about two and a half years ago. And it was really initiative to say, how can we change the way Arcade works to meet the expectations of the people who know and love the game and didn't quite get that experience when it was released the first That is the uh, so, Arcade. Uh, you know, there were a lot of conversations internally. Ultimately, the Arcade, uh, I guess I, I would say, say ago, really perception to the general public meeting, uh, with the XLT from, you know, reading all the comments really and. Just, you know, my personal experience and it was really like the game that could have been at that point to, to push it forward and, and try and do whatever we could with it now you, you guys know at the end of last year um try did it fare so well and so we were fortunately picked up by the team at gamigo and i have to say you know when this i think launching in september is a little bit soon though if you think about it just because it's still so close to wow classics launch you're less likely to pull players over i think the ideas wanted to do right by the players and so here we are today and so our gauge unchained it's basically, uh, you know, the same game we all know and love. The same game. I don't know what's up with the chat, guys. The chat's getting destroyed today. You can interact with it much more easily. It's not, it's not it's really wanting to load for me. Doesn't have Apex. Anybody who buys in is treated as a patron. Chat being um, weird for anybody else on Twitch. We don't sell tax, tax certificates. We don't sell I guess I can't even see your responses blah, 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 anyway because for some reason my chat won't load. But I have to say, everybody okay. on the team, um, you know, my two Testing. friends here included, all the guys back at home have been working their asses off. To I don't know what the heck is up with Twitch. With a fine-tooth comb to identify the things that have been Thanks, Ginger. <laughs> and remove them for the unchanged version. And so over the forthcoming weeks, as cool. we work our way towards release, you guys will see that on the live streams. You'll see that in our communications to you. All right, let's see some examples. Familiar with like a battle pass season or a season pass model. Um, we'll be very familiar with this. It's, it's here it is right here in the arch pass. Of that sort of a system. And so you will unlock daily quests. You will complete them. And as you complete them, you earn progress against the bar. There are 45 levels of this pass. When you complete it, you will earn basic rewards. Everybody will unlock those. And then if you um, pay $10 for the premium pass, you unlock the second tier of rewards. Now, there have been a lot of questions about this, uh, a lot of speculation about what the rewards will be. The arc pass that you currently see on the screen is on, is on a very early build of Unchained. It's on internal servers. Um, and the pass that you see right now is actually not one of the arc passes. That Same format as Ash's video as a girl, two arc guys, arc low production. In game. <laughs> Um, for game currency, and that's why you see like the rewards are Guild of Stars. Uh, you know, man. The past, it will be available, um, and, and that's what you see. There. It's hard not so to still look at a lot of developers as just a bunch of boomers. Sorry. Like, in the version, like and they will be redistributed to me all like grew up with technology, but then never quite found how to find people who know how to set up a screen or whatever else. This is a new Especially when you've got you know, the resources and the can afford it. Can be spent on a unique store that uh, unlocks a, a very wide range I much prefer a um, from, you know, an you know, open podcast or open discussion like this items, even labor potions. Than, uh, this is the here. than some pre-recorded crap though. I'll at least say that we're like you know like the now, developer breakdown. It's like the guys like this game's gonna be and it just shows like pre-recorded gameplay stuff like. I think this is at least much better because you can kind of hear what they're saying and be like, hmm, does this match up with what I think he's saying or what I agree with or what I want in Arcage? It is, maybe you're interested. You can spend your diligence coins however you like. In a forthcoming stream, we will absolutely show you everything that's available on the diligence coins. But just to say it again, those coins are only available from the basic track and are not available in the premium track. We are staying true to our approach, and it's 100% cosmetic and hmm. items that don't. That's the part that I, f I think people are the most like unsure about is that if you do have a negative uh, thought process about it, it's because you're thinking like, what's to stop them from doing essentially what Tryon did with Arcage uh, just recently? 
um, and uh, Tryon did with Rift as well. These prime servers where they essentially sell you on some sort of like progression server um, content lock you like arbitrarily for some reason. And people agree to that just because they like the whole progression aspect. Um, but then they actually make you pay a sub to play on those servers. So they're like double gouging you. And they're like, oh, you have to pay a sub. And like, there's no, there's no microtransactions, but still got to pay a sub. So how many times do I need to pay you to play this game? And why are you making progression servers, which are just like arbitrarily locking out your content? Like that's not the same as a classic server. And so this actually seems a lot closer to like what a classic server would be for Arcage, which <clears throat> if they don't pull a, uh, try on and just all of a sudden say psych and bring all these microtransactions back or, or pull a Pearl Abyss and do the same thing on Black Desert Online. They might be another contender to come come back, I guess, if that makes sense. Come back from the jaws of near defeat. But it does have such a negative reputation at this point. I don't think it's ever going to get the same level of hype as it originally got. But seeing WoW's, you know, recent mega success with wow classic i think that you're gonna see a much more tempered uh a much more tempered response when it comes to arcage unchained but i'm excited for it if they stay true to what they've said so far because as i've mentioned it before i really like the combat like and it's just fun it's a fun game to pvp in the fun game to participate with the combat in i love the classes they've got so many different classes to choose from and mix around Anyway, that's my Arc Age spiel. Alright, so speaking of Perea Chronicles earlier, I mentioned that they had been set down. Let me try. It's spelled it wrong here, but bear with it. Uh, Nexon has cancelled their Perea Chronicles. Now, this was one of those games that apparently was was showcased like five or six years ago or something like that and um i believe it was a beat-em-up style game this is the one that i remember it didn't look it didn't look bad i mean it it kind of looks interesting like i don't mind the style of kind of like brawlum beat-em-up style mmos um Maybe they're a little bit more closer to what you would describe as a multiplayer online RPG, as you always hear me talk about. But I mean, I liked the I liked the art style. I remember I liked uh, the combat as well. The performance or the movement does look a little bit strange, but the combat was pretty cool as well. So it was just kind of you know one of those multiplayer online RPG type experiences that you're quite used to in uh, the Korean market, but. Cancelled so suddenly certainly makes you wonder. And of course, knowing that uh <laughs> knowing that this comes from a region who's not known for explaining why they uh, cancel things, but kind of just say that it's not up to standards. That's basically what they say. They say it could not satisfy the user and eventually cancel the project. So that could mean a number of things. Um, but it could mean that player feedback was just um, consistently poor and they just pulled the plug. But it's very rare that a company will pull the plug before launch. And the reason is, is at that point, especially with an MMO, 
you're more likely just going to launch the game and then try and fix it after. Um, so the fact that they actually canceled it makes me think that they realized something, maybe they've got their resources, other places, something new happened beside the game just maybe not being good enough because that's not enough of a reason not to launch the game necessarily. Okay, this one's not going to get many likes, uh, and I can see many angry discussions coming from it, but I'm sorry, guys. Apparently, the news has come out recently. The Games Workshop has announced Warhammer Odyssey, a new free-to-play mobile MMORPG. Yeah. So, it's set in the old world timeline of the IP's canon. Time when people cower under the influence of mostly of the Chaos Moon and Doomsayers roam the lands. A game will feature three races, six classes, plenty of free episodic updates. Huh. Huh. Free episodic update. What good marketing thing to say. It's almost like then people will think that you're getting free or that they are giving you enough content to warrant you spending money. I've never seen that mentioned before, like in words like that. Good marketing. Promises plenty of free episodic update. Mobile games don't really work like that. Um, you don't make mobile games to not make money. Uh, essentially, you make mobile these days, largely, especially at the grand scale, to make money. And you don't really make money giving away free updates. So it's more likely that they're giving you free updates, but that they're going to have some sort of labor system, endurance system, energy system, or whatever amalgamation system that is utilized or designed specifically to gut you of your resources. Um, of your money. Open your checkbook, open your pocketbook, open your wallet. Ah, it's sad. I loved Warhammer Online, and I would love to see another Warhammer MMO, but I don't really know how probable that is. At this point, especially after seeing this, it's kind of like a, a red flag that maybe won't see it, because I feel sometimes that Publishers look at something like, hmm, we'll just launch a game on this platform and we're going to really like uh, hit it home. And then they launch it and it's not an immediate success. And they're like, oh, crap, let's abandon that. Let's never touch that. Like you see that happen a lot. Um, and MMOs are like notorious for that, I think, because it's one of those markets where it's like either you're in it or you're just like not going to make it because you have to be in in it. And what I mean by that is that you can't just be looking at it like, hey, we're going to like tack on some elements onto our game and expect that it's going to work at a massive scale. It's been tried many, 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 many times, and it doesn't really work. So can't dip your toes. <laughs> exactly. I wonder how this will affect uh, Return of Reckoning. The server is becoming pretty popular. Yeah, but I mean, like, I my stance on classic servers... Uh, sorry, private servers is, is always the same. It's, they're cool, 
But then it's like, if I've already played the game for a number of years, what more is there for me on a private server except just more game? And in 2019, you can feel Warhammer's engine. It's horribly optimized. And I'm one of its biggest fans. And, but I can't deny that. It's not like just because I love the game, I can't see that it's clearly out. PvE experience, leveling, it's horrible. Horrible. Public quests are great, awesome idea, but horrible uh, paced experience. Very slow and a big drudge. Um, and just, it's sad because it's like, I love that it's there so people can experience it and play it. And I recommend it to people all the time if they've never experienced Warhammer Online. Um, but it's also sad to think that with this Warhammer mobile game coming out, are we really going to see a good Warhammer MMO come out? Because it looks like Games Workshop's just in the business to make money. Mobile is the future, baby. Got to make money. All the money. There's no such thing as enough money. Limitless growth. Yeah. Yeah, no. We just got to keep... Like, uh, EA's thought process is... People say we're horrible. People say this and that. Microtransactions bad. Blah, blah, blah. Making more money every year. So we keep doing it. All the money. Yeah, I just... I would love to see another Warhammer MMO is all I'm saying. I loved Warhammer Online, but that game has very obvious... And bigger flaws than what. Uh, as much as I love Warhammer Online, and I will go as far to say that I probably love it more than uh, WoW, and my time playing WoW Classic so far, even though it's been really fun, um, I just loved Warhammer as a game more. It had better lore, better story, uh, better class archetypes, um, more variety, better PvP, um, which is you know something that obviously I'm very interested in the world and PvP aspects. But it um it also had very obvious flaws. It tried too much to skip to WoW's loo, if, and that pretty much is a uh, admitted story that I tell about Warhammer Online. Um, I hope we get another Warhammer MMO, like a real one, because lost to 40k. Warhammer Online is not around. You've got the private servers around, but you know Games Workshop. I doubt they're ever going to partner up with those guys. They just, they're probably in it just to make money now, right? With their new owners. So maybe we won't see it. Kind of sad to think about. It was rushed to meet Wrath of the Lich King. Yeah. Rushed to go to his death. <laughs> they rushed to its death. And the worst part is, is like in the middle of their development, WoW just took two of their best elements, and copied them. And then outdid them with it. And it was just like curtains for Warhammer. Like I love Warhammer's PvP. I love its CC and its class archetypes. And the, uh, the combat. And the way that the game flowed. But boy is that engine just horrid man. It is so heavy. You feel like a tank in that game. Like That's why I loved playing a black orc. Because I feel like my character moves around like, like this you know. And uh, WoW has a much smoother feel to it. So, man, could you imagine if you had a much smoother feeling Warhammer Online? Uh, you had one that had a lot more PvP objectives, so PvP wouldn't become so stale. And people would just kind of rush to the end and try and kill the king and then get the buff or, or the, the bonus XP and then rinse and repeat. Because it doesn't really matter, right? There's no permanence in a sense because it just resets again. But 
Anyway, I loved Warhammer Online, but definitely had some big flaws. To be honest, if people are buying, are, are buying my immoral products and I can get more money out of them by being even shadier, wouldn't you do it? I assume the rationale is if people buy it, it's their fault. Yeah, no, that, that's exactly what the rationale is. It is. Because I've seen this rationale on my like microtransaction video before. People have posted it on other videos uh, of mine before where they make an art they make an argument where it's kind of based around like well like why is it the developer's fault if people keep spending money on it and it's almost like these people don't understand that the developers or publishers who are monetizing the game also designed the game and published it you not understand how shady that could be potentially like what it's like putting somebody on the stand and then also being the executioner. It's it's like you can't you you have to have different systems to handle different things, checks and balances. That that's just crazy to me. Instance battlegrounds really took away from the Warhammer world. I'm going to counterpoint. I think they enriched it in the case of Warhammer Online. I think that the scenarios in Warhammer Online are better than WoW's. I, I have no uh ill feeling saying that i think warhammer online's pvp scenarios and battlegrounds much better than wow's and um i think it's actually they're up there with other instance content of that sort so i mean i see what you're saying from a thematic perspective but one thing you have to take into consideration is i'm not one person to argue the ideal argument all the time and what i mean by that is that <clears throat> if i want to just argue from an ideal perspective Warhammer should have been a sandbox. Warhammer should have had no factions. Like, it should have been open factions or multiple factions instead of just two. Warhammer should have had... I can have the idealistic argument, but I like to argue more from the perspective of, like, here's how it was. So, like, how could you have fixed that, right? What could, what could you have changed immediately that would have made it better? And I think that, you know, the things that I mentioned, for example, with Warhammer could have done that and could getting rid of instance content... And focusing more on open world content benefited Warhammer in the long run? I, I do think so. But they already had a big time constraint and not enough resources. So what you got was what you got. So it was more of like I saw it as what they had, they made pretty good content with. Despite that. The industry also has a thing where they blatantly lie about everything so people buy it and then get the shaft. So when the pro... I don't want to I don't know if I want to go as far to say blatantly lie, but what I will say is is that they prey upon your ignorance. And hear me out. I know I'm going to sound a little bit doomsayery here, a little bit like I'm like that guy sitting out in the on terrace uh, in uh, Kotor 1 who's uh, the aliens will destroy all of us. But uh seriously, like companies prey upon your ignorance. And I'll give you very obvious examples of so in, in the U.S., there's a concept of organic, there's non-pesticide uh, chemicals, and then you have um, non-organic, which is basically everything else. Marketers and uh, companies came up with an in-between name, but it's only used for marketing purposes. It's called natural foods. So a lot of the time you'll see natural, natural flavors, natural foods, natural foods. That's literally just a misnomer. It's just used as a name. It sounds like it makes sense, like, oh, natural foods. But it's like, it doesn't actually mean anything about the quality. You see what I'm saying? Because it's not organic and it's not tested in an organic way, like, like an organic product would be tested, 
they can get away with being like, oh, but we're like the natural version, even though they're still the unhealthy version. And so like that's a lot of what happens in marketing and games as well. Is like, um, why is it beneficial for a game to be um, described as an MMO? Well, because of the massive scale, the lots of people playing the social uh, interactions. It looks good for marketing to be like, yeah, this is our game massive. It's a big deal, you know? But then it's like, but is it actually better for the players or the, or the game overall to be taken in the wrong way, per se? Well, no. But why would you want somebody to maybe not necessarily know if it is what it says it is? Well, I mean, the obvious answer is, like I said, with the natural foods, make money. <laughs> you, you, can, you can sell uh, that shit to customers. You can sell, I've got the, I've got the uh, natural foods version of my game. Come check it out. When in reality, does that really mean anything? No, it's just words that were invented by people who know how to make money and know how to sell things to people. I remember Naked Drinks got sued for misleading people with labels like natural, organic, without green label, or black label recognition. Yeah, good point. That, that kind of stuff does happen. Definitely, the instances were good. Would have, wouldn't put them down for that, for Warhammer scenario. Yeah, yeah, no, and I and I see where you're coming from as well. Uh, Warhammer, <laughs> that can always get me talking about it. I saw so much cool in that game. Like, somebody made a point last night. I actually think it was Card, or was it Card? I don't, somebody made a point last night in guild chat and wow that um the rp ability no it was garthener he made the point that the rp chat or sorry the rp text for your abilities in wow is like non-existent it's just like you attack here and done this damage in warhammer you had like elaborate ability names and and like actual lore interspersed throughout the game's abilities so you'd have an ability that was like uh gork and mork and you'd have to switch between gork and mork uh, as a goblin uh, shaman or something like that. Or you have a uh, tree hit, like tree, as in like a tree, but meaning three, tree hit combo as the black orc, right? Those names made sense and they felt cool when you use them because you're like, this goes with my character's archetype. But that's always been a problem of mine. Uh, and it's funny that somebody mentioned that late, uh, late last night, but it has been a problem of mine with WoWs where it's kind of like, you don't have that same flavor. Know? when you're playing it where you're like yeah this is my ability like a frost trap as a hunter just frost trap like it, it's nothing like specific about it that's like oh wow it's a special frost trap that you know i learned how to make in my years like in the tundras or <laughs> like you know what i mean like it's it's just a frost trap there, there's nothing else to it Most of Warhammer Online abilities are from the books. Well, yeah, of course. They've got that big advantage. <laughs> That's probably why they had such good world story. The virtual world filled with players, how a lot of fiction portrays MMOs. Yeah, it is. And um, it's, it's like the general masses are okay with current definitions of MMORPG. But I'm not okay with it. Um, and I hope a good amount of you are not okay with it. And the reason for that is by calling a game, as I mentioned last podcast, 
the incorrect name or a name that doesn't technically apply, you are essentially not only dooming it to a lot of different players who are going to go in with an expectation and be surprised it's not what they expected, but you're also opening up uh, opening up the um, floodgates to introduce maybe more unsavory kinds of business practices and types of games as well, I think, at least. Um, but uh, Warhammer just makes me want to rant about Warhammer too much, so maybe I should move. Guild Wars 2 had some big sort of announcement um, that wasn't really a big announcement. People were kind of pissed off about it because they expected a lot more. Not sure why, by the way. <laughs> Based on the last news you heard about Guild Wars, uh, all the layoffs, remember? So the big announcement just turned out to be Guild Wars 2 Heart of Thorns is free with the Guild Wars 2 Path of Fire expansion. So... When you purchase Path of Fire, you get Heart of, Thorns, uh, Heart of Thorns for free. That was kind of the quote-unquote big announcement. But I don't really know if that was a big announcement for some people. You know, it's like it's attractive to bring in new players, but is it really anything tangible for current players? I mean, it doesn't really seem that way. That's That's been the criticism I've seen levied against it primarily. Um, what is Guild Wars 2 going to do? I mean, let's talk about Guild Wars 2. Guild Wars 2 is in an interesting position. They've uh, ArenaNet had to lay off a bunch of uh, employees. They've already admitted that they're going to um, uh, slow down progression in the game just because of their resources. Um, that they canceled a bunch of like hidden projects that were being worked on, and essentially things weren't really looking so good for Guild Wars 2. Kind of almost out of nowhere for a lot of people, but it didn't surprise me because whenever I was doing my Ion video. I was looking a lot at the uh, NCSoft financials, which are, you know, it's uh, publicly available. And I saw how little money Guild Wars 2 made in comparison, despite how many players played it in comparison to some of those that were on the list. And it's just a um, buy-to-play game in America, with it, even with its cash shop, it's not making the kind of money that these other games are making for NCSoft, especially these mobile games. So it's becoming less and less attractive for them, especially because it's primary content source, guys. I can't say this enough, so please hear me out. It's perishable. Its main source of content is perishable. It's linear content. It's, a, it's got theme park content. I don't want to say it's 100% a theme park, because I don't think it is as clearly as other games are. But it's got theme park content, meaning it's got a shelf life. Those guilds will perish right once you once you consume the content there's no more content unless they create more of it well when you've lessened your workforce and you've admitted that you're not going to be pumping out as much uh content you've essentially admitted like hey guys the only thing to stay or the only reason to stay stuck with the game is if you're already really really into it but like you're here for the long haul and you want like a consistent experience like you were expecting before you're just not going to get it and that's why I think it's so paramount that developers and publishers and the market in general shifts away from the perishable goods, right? The goods that can just poof, go bad because you've already cons uh, played the content. I'm not saying you can't have an instanced raid or an instanced dungeon or an instance. Like, I, I, I can find those fun as well. And I don't think that instance is necessarily a bad thing. The problem is, is 
when your game is essentially able to be digested like a like a food object, um, I'm not re-eating that food object. Once I once I've consumed it, I'm not eating it again. No, I've I've eaten it once and that's it. I've consumed it. And MMO content largely nowadays is treated like that. You just eat it and boom, you're done with it. You're done with it. You're done with it. But if Guild Wars 2 had a lot more systems, say, for example, closer to Guild Wars 1's, I don't know, Guild Wars system <laughs> and, and, and ranking systems within that, they would have had a lot more replayability in their PvP experience. But then they would have had to balance that. And then they would have had to dedicate resources to that originally. So that wasn't really a focus for them. But if you don't have any sort of dynamic content in your game, then you're only going to be just waiting for the next content expansion to come out. Otherwise, what the hell else do you do in the game? My point is that that model is just not sustainable. It is not sustainable. It works when it works, when you've got big marketing, big dollars, big budget, huge publisher behind you, NCSoft, pulling all this money into you. Then all of a sudden, as soon as you're having not even a bad year, not even like an okay year, but like a good sort of year they're already like hey we need to cut your workforce scale things back you're not making enough money why because they're expecting free-to-play money from a game that has a buy-to-play business model which again requires that digestible content that isn't going to come back up once i've eaten it already you see the problem so i'm worried about guild wars 2 because with this quote-unquote big announcement, it doesn't really seem like it's big enough for me. And as somebody mentioned uh, in chat, they had been hyping this up. This was like some big stream, and people were kind of pissed off about that, especially because they have been complaining about World versus World for some time. Um, obviously, PvP has been complained about for the eternity of that game. But even just the story crowds wondering, when's the next expansion going to come out? When's the next content update going to come out? But we don't know that now. And it's probably less likely to come out anytime soon. So I'm worried about Guild Wars 2. Because NCSoft has in the past already showed a propensity to sh shut a game down when it's no longer profitable. And um, Guild Wars 2 is expensive to run. I know that. ArenaNet, you've got a team over here, an office over here. You've got to uh, worry about your servers your constant injections of massive content updates. Look at the production that they put into these expansions and these world events in Guild Wars 2. That has to be expensive to me. And it's clearly not making them enough money based on the return that they're getting. And um, if you guys haven't seen this already, I hate talking about numbers without actually showing you guys. I'll show you that you can do this yourself as well. That's the main things I like to teach you guys is don't look at me as the only voice, the only person to listen to. But just look at me as, you know, hopefully a good person to listen to because, again, hopefully I'll always and will always try and focus on telling you guys to think for yourself and go out and find the data and look at it. And I'm not saying you need to understand everything, but it doesn't take a lot of uh, smarts to understand what this means. I can look at these numbers and clearly see which numbers are more, which numbers are less. Let's look at this. Sales breakdown, quarterly by game. <clears throat> this was the second quarter of 2019. Mobile games. This is a Korean uh, 
millions and one, I believe it's what they call it. Million one and the millions. Mobile just blows everything away combined easily. That's why they keep making more mobile games. They've announced all of these mobile games, Blade and Soul mobile game, Lineage mobile game. Uh, I think even Ion's got a mobile game in its sequel. Uh, I don't know if there's a Guild Wars mobile game, if there could be even. So that makes it less attractive as well. But then you look at Lineage. Guys, this game is from like 99. <laughs> this game still makes more money than like the vast majority of MMOs. <laughs> it's, it's crazy, man. This game right here, Blade and Soul and Guild Wars 2, these two games probably cost upwards of like five times the amount of lineage. And yet lineage still outperforms these games. <clears throat> that is just so impressive to me. It's proof that a simple but fun and addicting combat or uh, gameplay loop can always win out over flash and pizzazz in the end, right? It's more scalable, right? It's got, it's got content that will last longer. It's not so perishable. These games have content that dries up so quickly. And that's why they go from making boatloads of money to like no money in no time. Look at that. If you look at their previous numbers, they all have been going down. And, and this is worse too. If you look further back, these, these games were making even more money and it's only been going down since then. Blade and Soul I'm a bit surprised by because they had these really good numbers when they went free to play, but looks like that's already starting to dry up as well. Yeah, mobile games is only just increasing. Like, you have these monster numbers. Even if they have little downturns, it doesn't matter. They're making insane amounts of money. It's paying for everything. And little old Guild Wars 2 over here is, is putting in work. Would it be good if it didn't have to be under NCSoft as a publisher? If, if ArenaNet could afford to actually just purchase the rights to it and just run it on their own, could they make it profitable? Absolutely. Of course they could. They'd have uh, less overhead. Way less overhead. But right now, they, uh, ArenaNet or Guild Wars 2 and NCSoft has massive overhead. Because they have massive overhead, that means that Guild Wars 2 is in danger, potentially, of facing a shutdown. Because you might ask, why isn't Ion as in much danger? And the primary reason is that Ion, before this, had made them a lot of money, and it's a really, really old game. Um, it's it's pretty damn old. It only recently went free to play. So these numbers you're seeing with Ion uh, right here, this is very recently. Like their numbers before this were actually consistently higher than Guild Wars 2's. And like a good example of this is I, I just go back a number of years. I can just look at an example of this. It's not going to... well. Well, overhead as in the company itself. So NCSoft has to turn a profit and a, a corporation has to turn a much higher profit than a, uh, a small business does. For example, um, I worked in both a corporation and a small business and I was a, a salesman, project manager. So I, I know how much money is being exchanged and how much money projects are worth. And in my, uh, in my experience, the way it worked was, um, let's say... Uh, when I was working at the big corporation, if we bid on a job, the only way we would make money is if we could bid over about 40 to 45%. So that, that was our profit margin we had to operate at if we wanted to make money because of how expensive we were as a company. So the, the way that that's different in smaller companies is that, yes, 
ArenaNet would have to take on a lot of debt in order to buy themselves out of that. So I'm not trying to say it's like the best of a situation. It, it's making the best of a worse situation. But a smaller company can operate at a much lower profit margin because they don't have as much cost overall. So like if you think about it, um, you could have a company that instead of needing 40, 45% profit margin, they could operate at 20, 30, 35, 40, you know, like lower, right? They can undercut that. And um, that's generally how business works. If I could explain it in like the stupidest terms, is like the smaller businesses can afford to operate at lower profit margins because they have less overhead, they have less employees, and they have less uh, things to worry about, less bills. But bigger companies have more people, more uh, things to worry about. Uh, they have to worry about healthcare in some cases based on the size of your company. They have to worry about pensions and whoever knows, uh, sorry, who knows what else probably a bunch of other costs as well. Okay, so here are the numbers that I wanted to show you guys. Um, this is from 2016, the third quarter of 2016. I just picked that by random. And here's my, my claim was that Ion was kicking uh, Guild Wars 2's ass for a while. And while here at its peak, it looks like Guild Wars 2 is performing uh, much better. This is during peak expansion time. Think about that. Peak expansion time, Guild Wars 2 will put, put up huge numbers because that's how it makes money off expansions. But in between expansions, look at that. Boom. Huge drop off in how much money it makes. And yet look at Ion. Ion is a lot more steady. And it has been that way over time. And that's just because of the way the games are structured. The business models are different. And then poor Wildstar. Poor Wildstar. Wildstar has to deal with just basically getting whatever runoff they possibly can. And it doesn't take a genius to know that this game can't keep operating. Because it, let's say, like, I don't remember how big their company was at the time that they shut down off the top of my head. They had a number of layoffs. I think it might have been 30 people. That's what my head's telling me. But before that, it was like 200, 300 people working on the game. So imagine right now if Wildstar was alive and had 300 people working on the game. And this was the money they were making. It would fold like overnight, right? They wouldn't be able to uh, pay anybody. <laughs> Unless they just incurred a shit ton of debt and just kept incurring debt and kept incurring debt, uh, kept incurring debt. Um, and if the same thing happened to uh, like Lineage, right? The lineage is going to recover, man. Because Lineage has that, that gameplay loop. It's been around. It's got loads of content. It's a slow crawl, slow progression. It's just going to keep going and going and going. And yeah, of course, you know, they're going to have to try and find a way to pivot that audience to another lineage. It wasn't lineage two for lineage fans, but it's just crazy to see that money that lineage makes still. But back to current day, these are where we're at now with the stats. So yeah, Lineage has had, some, has had a drop off in one month, but then it just blows right back up and it dwarfs other games. I mean, you can, you can combine Lineage 2, Ion, and Blade and & Soul and you barely beat out Lineage and how much money it makes, which is just impressive. But I, I, I did this exercise to show you guys just how much trouble Guild Wars 2 is actually in. Like, this isn't, an, this isn't a subjective argument. They've, they've already had the layoffs and they're already making way less money than competition. Because this is competition, if you think about it. They are competing for resources from NCSoft. 
in Guild Wars 2 themselves, uh, ArenaNet admitted, or it might have been NCSoft admitted it in a Korean presser, but they said that um, they're too expensive, essentially. In a nutshell, that's what they said. We're too expensive. That's why they had to let go of a bunch of people. Lineage just got a remaster, a monetization revamp. Like, that's not... That's going to go back down soon enough. Uh, I mean... Did you just look at the other numbers, though? <laughs> I just pulled up random numbers from two years ago. Their numbers are doing even better back then. So, yeah, it has been slowly uh, coming down, but still massively outperforming games that cost way more money to uphold and games that cost way more money to create. So my, my point is that Lineage is still a top-performing MMO after 21 years of live or something like that. Crazy. Lineage is kind of like EverQuest. People still play it. Uh, I mean, a lot more people play Lineage than they play EverQuest. That's for sure. <laughs> we just don't know that because we're not from Korea. If if you're from Korea, lineage is is normal there. You can go play it at a PC bank. People are playing a lineage if you watch streams sometimes. <laughs> You'll see people playing League and then you look in the back and people are playing lineage still. In 2019. That game is crazy old. Sorry, I just can't get over the fact that that's just so impressive to me. And yeah, and that's essentially my argument as well, confronting Thanatos. I think it's going to outpace Guild Wars 2 from the looks of it, that's for sure. I wish Guild Wars 1 would get a classic treatment because for me, the hardest part of playing it currently is... I agree with that, but I also think that if it wanted a classic treatment, they'd have to change the way uh, heroes work because they have heroes and they have henchmen, as you remember, I'm sure, and henchmen were way less effective than heroes. Heroes came with a Nightfall expansion, and when they came with the Nightfall expansion, they're way better than companions. And so they kind of make a lot of older content like really, really easy because you can just grab a uh, Final Fantasy XI has the same problem, by the way. You can grab like your little hero buddies and they make the game so easier. <laughs> You must take into consideration that the vast majority of the income from a game like Lineage comes exclusively from Korea. And 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 that's, sorry, I don't know if uh, that's a point that I have made on stream before, but oh yeah, Lineage makes that money pretty much only in Korea. So the numbers that you're seeing are coming directly from their core audience. And that's why they're always more focused about their core audience than they are the abroad audience. And Guild Wars is an abroad audience, so it makes even less money because of that, because of all of the costs that go with that. So you think about that as well, and it's another reason why you could see Guild Wars 2 potentially shutting down before you would see Lineage shut. All right. Should we do... Okay, so for today's MMO roundtable, I'd like everybody to join me in the podcast lobby. If you can, if you have some time to chat and voice, um, I wanted to go over this week's WoW discussion. Uh, it's just a weekly topic of talking about your experiences with Classic WoW so far. Um, discuss your views on the launch of the game, your experiences playing it. How do you think it's affected the market? Do you think it's affected the market? I'm looking at it from kind of all angles, really, because I'm just interested 
from the pers- uh, from the perspective of a player, perspective of a passerby, perspective of someone who's looking at market forces, maybe, or seeing like if other games are reacting to such a thing. I mean, Arcade seems like it is, <laughs> so I think we can already answer that question. But anyway, if any of you would like to join me today in podcast lobby, please join me now. I've got Card and uh, Binato currently in lobby, and I'd like at least one or two other people. So. If you've got some time, please join me. Ginger's in. My big question is how much effort will go into preserving these games? That's what has me the most worried about NCSoft, is that they don't really seem to give a shit about preservation at all. Like I haven't seen them care about preservation. They just seem to care about kind of making money. And um, while I understand that as a big company, you have to make a lot of money to keep functioning, as I already mentioned and outlined, it doesn't mean that you can uh, do unlawful things or just like operate above the law, of course. And and, and uh, everything got quieter. <laughs> but yeah, it did. That's a good point, John Jakag. I'd really hope the source code ends up out there if they shut down the servers. I would too, man. I, I really do hope that Guild Wars 2 could be picked up by the community. And um, I don't want to say anything publicly, of course, because I don't want to get sued by the lawyers over there. But like, Seriously, if the community could get access to Guild Wars 2, I want to see what we could do with the tools of that game. Because I bet you we could come up with some cool shit that they haven't thought of already. Or haven't done already, I should say. Because they probably thought of it, but didn't think of a way to make money doing it. That's the hard part with Guild Wars, is how do you make money doing it? Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's uh, MMO Roundtable. Uh, Nothing too controversial or crazy, just a simple question of classic WoW and what it means or what it's meant to you so far, your experiences with it, your views on the launch, your experiences playing, and maybe uh, your eyes or thoughts on uh, how it's affected the market overall. So if everyone will raise your hand in the MMO roundtable chat by Xing in chat, then we can go in order and then open it up to the floor after and then open it up to chat. All right, looks like cards first, so card will start us off. Okay, that has been pretty much exactly what I had expected from it. Like, I've played it. Like, I played original vanilla, so I knew what I was in for. Which is also why I'm pretty much playing it like I played original vanilla. Like, I know some people are going, uh, like, a lot of you here are going full-on hardcore uh, massive leveling and everything and i'm just like i'll take half an hour here an hour there and just slowly make my way through because that's how i used to experience a classic and i think it's it does the trick i will say to when you're playing this and i just happened to listen to uh the mighty jingles so i'm not a youtuber and he mentioned it in his uh weekly uh podcast he updated bits what he always does and he was just like, yeah, there are just things that you notice when you're playing classic that, and he mentioned a lot more about some things that are just like, yeah, that those things don't have not aged well. And I think that's a lot to do with uh, questing uh, specifically. Like, for example, if you have quests that you need to gather drops, like the drop rates on some of these quests, of course, yeah, it can be annoyingly low, which is annoying on its own. But what may actually like drew my attention to it. I was like, okay, but wait, 
if I group up in classic, I don't benefit from it from doing these quests that drop stuff. So it's like, I know people are always like classic needs to be classic, but I think there's some quality of life changes that could be made that would still keep the game classic, but would actually, you know, help out being an MMO. Like, hey, give people the ability to share quest drops. You know, if a mob drops a quest item, let everybody in the party grab it. Because, you know, it encourages grouping up again. On the grouping update, I will say I'm laughing that bit. Like, you go out there, people are questing, people will just put you in there like, yeah, uh, you know, group up because we can help each other out. It makes things easier. And that's been quite the enjoyable part of it. As for the effect on the market, uh, it's going to be way too early to call anything on that. Like, it's been out for a week or so now, and it's, it's going to take months before you can really start to make a full-on fair judgment as in what kind of an effect it will have on the market. As far as the launch concerned was, well, it was a typical Blizzard World of Warcraft launch. They fucked it up completely in the fact that there was just not enough capacity for people to play. And well, yeah. I think it was what was expected, but it was like really, really, really bad. Like I was lucky a lot because you know we're EU and we're playing on an A server because we're playing around with you, so I can dodge the queues. I have not seen a single queue myself, but the queues that I've seen people post have been downright ridiculous, and Blizzard should be ashamed for that. And yeah, you mentioned chat; it is some lazy design there. Yeah, that's my initial thoughts. I'm not going to spend too much time because otherwise uh, we'll run over in five hours again. Limpos? Yeah, sorry. Um, playing so far, WoW? Um, yeah, I'm playing WoW right <laughs> now. <laughs> um, I, I don't have much else to add. I think the only thing that I'm a bit mad about is um, that something like uh, dungeon quests and such are so out of the way and so what would you call them? It's like you have no idea that they even exist almost unless you sort of do the quests inconvenient uh, that leads towards them. Well, I wouldn't even say it's inconvenient. It's impossible to know of basically. Like I didn't know how to get to something like Nomragov because well, it's in the engineering hub. You know, the place that I never go because I never did engineering. Um, that is really my sort of biggest complaint right now, essentially with the game, is that it's really obfuscated some of the questions, how they sort of work and how you get them. And I guess to some extent um, you need to question people about it, but it's sort of a weird question that you have to ask. It's like, hey, do you know of any quests that I don't know of? And that's essentially it. That's sort of the only thing that I can really add. And also to note there is like they're not shareable. Not all of them are shareable. That as well. Alright. So my experience so far with Classic WoW is exactly what I wanted it to be, because I've been seeing like the community kind of coming together in WoW. Now there's a little bit of a disconnect because there's a lot of retail players coming in and being like, I'm going to treat this like retail 
fuck you all, I got mine. But at the same time, you have a lot of players just kind of being orderly. I've seen constant queues for named mobs, people grouping up to get those special quests done, and even people who would travel to the other side of the continents in order to get the one dungeon quest that you might have not gotten because they don't tell you it's there. So like how Ragefire Chasm, there's an entire quest in Undercity, but you wouldn't know it's there, and by the time you go over to Undercity, you probably outleveled it. So what I expected out of this is kind of people coming back to that whole community aspect of WoW versus just uh, this grand story that, honestly, I couldn't care any less for. And I think as far as the effect on the community at large, you're not really going to see the end results until about December when Warcraft 3 Remastered comes out to see if people, you know, dodge this for the better lore and things like that. Okay. Uh, so <clears throat> I'll answer, I guess it's like a three-part question in a way. My views of the launch of the game, let me just get that part out of the way. Uh, that part's probably the most, I would say for me, where I get the most annoyed or the most uh, angry about is how launch was handled. And I'm going to rant about it a little bit. But I hate the way launch was handled because to me, like Card said, it just makes me think of like corporate ignorance or corporate uh, like benevolence, you know, just being like, oh, they don't really like, come on, like, eh, they don't really like this. Like, they're telling us this, but eh, that is, that's not what our metrics say. Like, mm -hmm, like, they're keeping it all close to their chest. Like, they know what's going to happen. Meanwhile, all of us, including me, are telling them, you don't have enough servers. I promise you, you will have to make us another server. If you guys remember on the podcast, I said, I bet if they add an RP PVP server right next to launch, they're going to have to add another one. They added another one. Why? Because this shit has happened before in other MMO launches. And that's the craziest part to me, that they still can make the same mistakes. And the mistake they make is almost like preparing for failure. It's like this weird thing that's changed in MMOs in the past couple of years for sure where it's like when mmos come out it's almost like people are just preparing to fail and so they're like well we're gonna have our five six servers and come on guys look at the queue times how wrong were you guys you all were so wrong you should be embarrassed blizzard you should be embarrassed about how wrong you were about that if me if i'm coming at it from a business perspective i would be embarrassed about my product and be like shit man I cannot believe we woefully underestimated this. I cannot believe we relied on an ancient method, uh, like an ancient Egyptian method of name reservations to know how many people are going to join us on the fifth day. Like, th that shit doesn't work, dude. So, I, I don't know. I, that thing, I have to get that out of the way because that's like the most tilting part about the whole WoW launch for me. It was like how they handled the whole beginning of it, where it's just like, ugh. I, it's one thing when people say, you know, you don't know what Blizzard's saying because they have all the data. Like, they're smarter than you guys. Well, they weren't smarter than us this time. So everybody in chat, if you knew that going into this, pat yourself on the back. Give yourself like a, you know, a round of applause and be like, I was smarter than Blizzard. So for the second part that I wanted to talk about was uh, my experiences playing the game so far. 
I mentioned it at the top, but I have a uh, two different characters, one level 22, I think just hit level 23, I can't remember. And then I have a level 12 uh, warrior. And I've been playing them almost like uh, like park one in and in, play the other one, play the other one. And it's just been fun for me because uh, for the first time in like a long time, I don't feel like I need to worry about getting to the end of something yet. It's like while people were wor uh, worrying about, hey, this guild or this group, they did this dungeon. They did this raid. It's so cool. I'm like, I don't care. All I care about is my character and my journey and my experiencing of that event. You know, and that's the beauty of Classic WoW so far to me is kind of like everyone is having a similar experience, but everybody's having their own experience. And that's what's so beautiful about the game is because it's not grand narrative, like Binato was saying, it's it's not this like otherworldly hard to relate to story it's like everybody has their own story within wow and everyone's personal story seems as important to yourself as it should be right and and yet we're not all being told that we're all special snowflakes and so it's not like some false kind of specialness we actually are all special and like a good example of this is last night i was questing in a, in a really hard zone ashen vale and i was getting chased by a rogue he had just killed me and I respawned and I was trying to get out of there. He was like level 30 and I run up on two guys <laughs> and I just say in say chat, I'm like, I'm being chased by a rogue. <laughs> and then like a mob's like on me at the same time, like murders me. So I like died in front of them as I was like saying, help me. And then the, the rogue showed up and killed both of those guys as well. But I was just like, that kind of shit is what happens in this game because of social interaction, because you want to talk to people and tell your your uh horde teammates like hey there's there's alliance here watch out watch out and you just see them like uh oh <laughs> and try and run but it's already too late at that point um but experiences like that are what i miss of course and in, in mmos and i've been getting a lot of experiences like that in wow so that's been fun as for like affected the market that's actually where it interests me the most like yes selfishly i like playing the game and think the game's fun to play uh, and enjoyable even if it is you know quote unquote dated right it comes from an, another generation. Um, that's nothing new to me, though, because I made my channel talking about old dying games. So I'm pretty used to going back into the past and being like, hey, they did it better. So that's just more of sort of what we're seeing here. Obviously, I agree with Card that um, there are obvious uh, glaring issues in the game. Like I could go down. Uh, I, I have a list already, probably somewhere in my journal, somewhere in my closet, because I told you guys I used to look at WoW all the time from a critical perspective and just wonder, like, why is this game so good? Like, why does this game work? Because I did not like the game before. Um, and um, looking at it now and how it has affected things, I think you actually can say it has already affected things. You look at um, the conversation and the conversation is changing. Like people are actually now saying things like social uh, community interaction. And it's because herd mentality is how a lot of like big groups work. And so for a while, it was just like the small dudes saying, hey, come join my game. My game has a lot of community. And people are like, no one cares. No one plays your game. No one plays your game. But all of a sudden, it's like, wow's coming back and has this whole community feel. And everybody wants to be a part of it. You know, it's, it's fun to be a part of it. It reminds me that being a part of an MMO launch is still so attractive for so many people and is still so enjoyable uh, as a player. As for how it has affected the market, some clear examples for me are you look at uh, um, pre-launch, the game affected many different games. There's There's been like at least four or five classic server, quote unquote, classic servers uh, launch in different games. That's um, I don't think that that's a coincidence. I think that's capitalizing off of a trend 
that uh, WoW and RuneScape had been doing for some time now. Um, though RuneScape d- does it in an official way, which is a little bit different. So they did it before WoW, uh, for sure, in that sense. But So that, and then you also have, look at Arcage. I mean, just recently announcing some sort of classic-like server. It's like people were almost realizing, hey, if our game was good enough initially, maybe we could just go back to that and fix that. <laughs> and it's funny because it's like, well, yeah, no duh, because... Why wouldn't a company want to do that? Especially a company like Gamago, who has Arcage uh, under their wing. Because they could be like, this game was one of those games that was supposed to be the savior, but wasn't. So we could still save it if we just look at WoW and how they've learned from their experiences by essentially bringing back a classic game as well. And so I think that they could learn from that. And obviously a bunch of other games can learn from that. On a large macro scale... Is it, you know, is it going to lead to anything yet? Probably nothing yet, but I'm just happy to see the conversation changing. And, you know, I read conversations a lot, comments on my videos, uh, Reddit, um, Discord, people talking to me in chat, wherever. And um, I'm just glad to see the overall conversation starting to come back into that. Hey, let's start holding these games accountable for the massive multiplayer online elements. You know, the ones that are in the name that they uh, describe themselves as. That's my uh, view on uh, Classic WoW. And I think Carlo asked about a 32-part analysis and review of Classic WoW. Uh, definitely not right now, and I don't know, maybe some other time. <laughs> Ginger. Hey, what's up, guys? What's up? Um, so first part, I think, uh, I think it was a massive flop on Blizzard's end not to have more servers, especially when, like... I think it was roughly, I say, I don't know the exact time, but I think it was roughly 10 days before launch. They basically were begging people to switch servers. They had like six different servers between EU and NA that were just so past capacity. They were warning people of hours and hour long queues. So just knowing that 10 days early, I think, I think they should have known then to add more servers, not to add more servers on the day of launch. I think that was a little silly. Um, And, uh, and then when it launched, you look at uh, Shatra, Shatra is probably the most popular server of them all on the EU, and maybe even NA. They had a 100k person queue. I think it was, uh, I think the picture I seen, it was 12, 12 hour queue. Could you imagine playing Shatra like you and your guild are planning on playing Shatra? Everybody goes to log in and you have to wait till tomorrow to actually play the game. I think that's a little, little beyond absurd in, in my opinion, but I'm, I feel like you pretty much covered everything else when it came to the actual launch. Um... Experience-wise, I'm really loving the sense of community. Um, like right now, right before I jumped on the MMO roundtable, I was uh, power leveling my alchemy so I could send some of our healers, like Hug and Lempos, mana potions. I have some more. Uh, I have some more healing potions for some of the lower level uh, melee characters. Um, just like you rely on other people and their ability to do things for you in this game, which is very different compared to. Just, just about anything else on the market right now where you can basically just solo your way through most of the content. Um, and I think that's pretty awesome. Uh, especially the questing, uh, doing some of the elite quests. I had a crazy experience in uh, Dunkarok uh, for the Battle of Pillsbrad quest. Um, we had a four-man group, and we really didn't know what we were getting into. It's been 15 years. Like I remember the quest line, but I, I don't remember it enough to actually remember what I was getting into. It's basically an open world dungeon, which is is wild uh, to think of. But it's an open world dungeon, 
and we're formatting through it. And like, it's just like the way that everybody's relying on each other so heavily because we're one man short. Uh, there's we're getting crazy aggro and respawns on us. Everything's an elite. Some of us are under level, and somehow nobody died. Four man, we had a, like a, a nine elite pull one time where everybody went home. I had to switch out of my bear form tanking to help back up heal. It was just a crazy, crazy experience. Uh, that kind of teamwork just to get a simple quest done, like just one simple final quest and a quest line done. So everybody could get like a fancy staff or something like that. Last night, also, I had a, probably the coolest experience yet. I think last night I had the most fun playing this uh, classic experience yet. With uh, me and Hug, we were on our way to do some late night fishing. We were both planning on getting off there pretty soon. So we're like, hey, let's go. Let's go fish uh, fish around, get some stuff to level up cooking, yada, yada. And we go to we go to Hillsbrad again because that's just basically where the the fish that uh, my buddy needed to level his cooking were at. And <clears throat> somebody puts in general chat looking for PvP group. Like knowing me, I instantly hit him up like, "Hey, what's up? I'm officially a PvP group now." And uh, I went to go look for more people, and I got a private message saying that there's been a group of like five to ten alliance that have been running around like killing everybody at the lobby farm area in hillsbrad so i was like screw it let's start a raid by the end of the night we had like 20 people and held hillsbrad as a horde only area really for a good like hour and a half and it was just like that that community outreach like the way that people like you, you put up in a general chat or in a looking for group chat like Hey, the Alliance have been attacking our lobies for the last few hours. We're taking we're taking Hillsbrad back. And everybody's everybody's coming around like gathering super excited about it just to defend their own people. Like it's a real battle for Azeroth. Pun intended. And uh I don't know, I just I feel like that experience is extremely missing from retail and also like all other modern games. There's no sense of urgency or sense of community that you got to like defend your brothers in arms it's more or less everybody's like grinding or doing their own solo content so the experiences i've had in uh classic have been have been nothing nothing less than stellar so far uh there are some some minor minor inconveniences uh, i think uh car touched up on one with uh loot drops uh, loot drop quests can be a real pain because a lot of them have really low chances of dropping anyway. And if you're doing like a three-man group or four-man group, that means you have to do the quest literally four times. It's a decent XP grind, but it does add a, a lot of extra time onto doing that one quest and being in that one area than really it needs to be. Um, I think that's one thing that they definitely, definitely did the right thing, pushing towards retail um, by making it so multiple people can drop the item um or multiple people can loot the item i mean my bad uh the market i i really i really think uh this is purely opinion but i think you're gonna see the market kind of slow down a bit with classic um Purely because of all the hype around it. Like, I know people that are coming from survival games, people that are coming from Elder Scrolls Online, uh, people that are coming from Final Fantasy. I know people that are virtually coming from, like, every other type of game, even people that are, like, MOBA players that mostly play, like, League or Smite or something like that that are coming to play Classic. 
And uh, I think it just has that kind of power. Like, WoW's always kind of had that kind of power, especially over the MMO market, but over the video game market in general on PC. I think you're going to see, at least for the first month or so of release, I think you're going to see just other games kind of lose population a little bit or take a dip in population until until WoW Classic kind of calms down. And I also wanted to add one other game uh, that you were talking about. Uh, video games are making classic servers. Uh, Latro. Uh, uh, Lord of the Rings Online actually just did that, and they announced theirs shortly after uh, WoW Classic was announced last year. So it just goes to show, like people say, "Hey, oh, they're I'm, they're doing this." So I mean, we better we better keep doing what we've been doing for the last fifteen years and copy them. It's the kind of kind of power they have on the market. That's that's all I gotta say. Oh, I guess I'm next. Yeah, I was gonna talk about the. Was it just meaning to go to uh, Hillsbrand and do a little fishing uh, with uh, Ginger? We've been traveling the world, uh, fishing in different places, and uh, really, you know, it really hit the fan when we found out that the lions was killing the lobies. So we, yeah, banded together and fought for hours. I meant to go to sleep at one, ended up going to sleep at 5 a.m. Just fighting there. Yeah, the world is really feeling uh, lived in. I mean, the NPCs not so much, but like just the players and interacting is de a definite change from retail. I've been trying to, I played retail for like a month just to get ready for classic. And yeah, it's night and day difference. Uh, the thing is, uh, I think a lot, it feels like a lot of the people working on current retail, they must be, I feel like a lot of them are kind of frustrated because it's kind of like the community saying, hey, you've been kind of steering the ship in the wrong direction for the last 15 years. and we would like we would like you to you know go back to your roots you know work on this community features making the world feel like a world making it feel like you know you're a part of this faction and more serious about it. I don't know. That's that's all. I was gonna tell about the Hills brand story, but Ginger uh, kind of stole my thunder. <laughs> mm -hmm. On this whole like community telling we're going to life. I really wonder at this point, like, give give it to you three a month. I would really love it if Blizzard would be open and honest about it and just say, like, okay, this is how many people are actively playing BFA and this is how many people are actively playing Classic at this point. Because I also still throw my nose into BFA because that's just something you can play on the side and you don't need to pay attention to it because it's fucking easy. But a lot of the chat and that I'm seeing in BFA is really slamming classic. And a lot of people are like, yeah, a lot of people are going to, you know, poke their nose in and realize it's very much a grind and a lot of the things, yada, 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 and they're going to go back to current WoW. And even outside of all the Warcrafts uh, itself, I'm hearing this from uh, other sources as well. So I, I am really curious in a couple of months to see where the numbers are actually are. And I think Blizzard is going to be as well, because I think, you know, the numbers three, six months from now, they're going to look at it. And if there's a clear difference in it, they're going to say, OK, this is the direction we're going to go. On. This is where we're going to focus on, because this is where our future is for this game. The question that I kind of wanted to present to you guys now is like, I don't know, I was thinking about from the perspective of the developers. And um I, I wanted to build it a little bit first and then I'll ask the question, but 
let's say you're a wild developer you worked on bfa everyone's like yo your game shit this shit sucks like go back to the old shit and you're just like man i didn't even work on the old game this kind of sucks yes yeah i'll just keep at it and then uh wild classic comes out how do you as a blizzard employee now look at it and be like how do i even take this is this something that i'm going to transition towards am i going to make content for this is this a place where I'm just going to like be working maintenance on? I feel like even the workers themselves don't know what to expect with Classic WoW, which is like crazy to think about. Like Blizzard, uh, I, I'm with Card, man. I just want Blizzard to be upfront. Like, what do we need to expect at the moment? What are the numbers? What's your plan? Are you going to uh, eventually turn this into Classic Plus? Because we hear you talk about it sometimes, but we don't know if you're just saying that shit. I feel like at some point within the next you know, maybe six months, maybe halfway through next year would be a good time to see if they've put anything out there, if they've said anything, if they've made any statements in that regard. But I think it's also just kind of unfair to the workers in a way, because it's like, you don't even know what you're really even working on. Oh, am, am I, am I going to be able to build a new game out of this? Or are we just maintaining what we have currently? Um, so it's just interesting to think that even if you work for Blizzard, you probably don't even know what's really going on right now. So a little commentary on that. I have a couple friends who work both in indie development and those who have wanted to work for Blizzard. And so, some of the big corporate issues that keep coming up out of it is Blizzard's not the same company we all used to know and love. Ever since Activision took them over, it's you are a cog in the machine. Even as a regular developer, who the hell cares about you? Uh, the only people that really get to have their opinions about the difference between BFA and uh, Classic is mostly just the team leads. It doesn't come down to if you want, if they like Classic more, what developers think they should develop, because it's going to go off of what the executives want, what the shareholders believe in. My biggest worry with that in Classic is they definitely want to keep up the uh, they definitely want to keep up cl Classic, but they also want to keep up Retail because Retail has the massive microtransaction store, and you're gonna have to deal with a lot of cynicism regarding people in the forums going, "We want our transmog back, we want our special cash shop mounts back," and you're gonna have to see this cultural clash between people either wanting something that is counterintuitive to what wow represents or blizzard giving in to those people and uh basically them just distilling down the the classic experience all over again uh so in regards to um um what was it? Uh, how they must feel? I mean, it must feel honestly terrible because um, they didn't make that game, and they sort of don't n n know the exact eccentric ideas that that was based upon, which for them must be very strange to have to then suddenly have a community that wants something that you're not actually really experienced with. Now, they can probably to some extent recreate it. The question is just how well they can recreate it. They are game designers, so I would 
say probably to some extent fairly well. Um, but it is still, it's going to be different because it's just, it's different people. It's been 15 years. And yeah, that's about it. Oh, it certainly has come, has been a long time. And, you know, the team sizes back then compared to now, of course, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of people that never worked on Classic. However, I do wonder if it's really going to be like, oh, it's going to be Classic or nothing. I think it's, if they're going to play it small and they're going to look at it and they're going to realize like, you know, Classic as a audience is going to be much, much stronger than their current BFA audience. Then instead of saying like, oh, we're going to focus something on Classic now, why not, you know, look at whatever next expansion you're making and be like, okay, what can we do with this expansion to bring back the elements from Classic that people are really looking after? And I think that's that's where their the real money is going to be made if they play their cards well. Because like we mentioned that and then Nerd said as well, like he has got a whole list of issues that he has with Classic. But there are also a whole lot of good things that are about classic. And I think the best lessons that they can do right now is grab, you know, see what's working in classic, see what people are enjoying about classic. Take that from classic and put that into, you know, current life while bring it into the main game. Because yes, that game has their microtransactions and all of those things. And like it or not, people have sort of just you know like accepted it and dealt and deal, dealt with that but if they can get their transmog and they get the amazing feeling of you know actually hard world quests and leveling being a challenge for example you know things have a certain meaning again the things that we seem to be enjoying in our classic experience and have that as well you know it's like we can have the cake we can eat it and then we can go and get another cake and we can eat it as well. It would bring really the best of both worlds together. And I think one way or the other, it has to be, that has to be the final goal for Blizzard here. Because if that's not their goal to take what's best of both worlds and combine it into their live version of World of Warcraft, I honestly don't know what the fuck they would be doing right now. Because it doesn't matter if you're a developer or if you're an accountant. On this one, they should both be pretty much on the same line because it is both for a good game and it's going to be good for your bottom line. I feel like uh, Card pretty hit a, uh, pretty much hit almost everything I was going to say. I just uh, wanted to add a couple things to it. Um, I feel like there's a, a big stigma, especially in the older folks in the MMO community when it comes to retail. And it's like people almost want it to fail. And I, I think that's just a, a terrible perspective to have. Like, sure, you may not like retail, but I feel like the date retail fails will be a really bad day for the MMO market in general because it's one of the few games that have been really keeping the market alive in general with other games copying it or taking things from it to make new games. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, it really comes down with, with Activision. It really comes down to what does better. Is it going to be classic or is it going to be retail? And I really, I really hope if it ends up being classic, maybe they realize those community th aspects of classic are important to MMO development, and they somehow 
make BFA feel more like a living, breathing world or whatever the next expansion will be. Um, oh, I have one more thing, but I forgot. I'll just, uh, I'll skip. Right. Yeah, it's, it's going to have to be the next expansion. Like BFA is going to be BFA. And it would be very foolish actually to change BFA because BFA has a really bad reputation. You want to bring the good stuff in the next expansion because you can put a new name on it. And new names matter a lot. Yeah, I wonder, like, to go back to and chat, to open it up to the floor now, people have been talking about TBC, uh, and that always gets brought up, of course, because, it you know, people ask the, I think, a pretty valid question. Well, then what about TBC? Where do you stop? Do you do that as well, and then you stop? I think the problem with the idea of doing a, a TBC server only, like let's say, in a in a let's let's say what we can just predict what they're gonna do. Right now, they have a classic WoW server. What if they were gonna do a TBC server? Would they a get rid of the classic server and create a TBC server? B create a TBC server as well as their classic server, or C maybe create a TBC server and then maybe potentially have a classic progression server. Whatever your opinion is or answer is, I'm going to wager that they're not going to think it's the first one. <laughs> they're, they're not going to just, oh, TBC server? Okay, let's just close Classic Well, and then we'll open up a TBC server. So, meaning you're going to have two different versions currently, uh, or running concurrently, in, in a way, right? And so then you ask the question of, well, if I'm going to build a progression experience from one of these games, meaning that it actually will start to progress as an actual MMO on its own right, or in its own right, rather, how do you then choose which one to go with? That's what I find to be the hardest question, because if it's a question of, well, how many or which servers do you keep running? You can keep them both running. You can have a classic server and a TBC server, but which one do you choose if you want to do progression? That's where, to me, it gets Easy. dicey. Easy. TBC. Like... As much as Classic had, I think TBC had a lot of the things that Classic had. The only issue has, the only real issue with TBC would be flying. But I think beyond that, in my personal opinion, TBC was a better game than Classic. Because it took a lot of the things that was good, but it also just looked at some things that were like, you know what? It's a bit much. Like, as much as people want their 40 man raids, I think that's one of the things people will. Even in classic, we'll realize I don't. This, they're gonna struggle with that one, and that's gonna be something that may actually throw a few wrenches in there. But I think TBC is a much better jumping-off point. But yeah, personal opinions, of course, as always. I guess the argument then becomes, where do you stop? That's kind of where I have the hard time with it. It's like I I would agree. Uh, first off. Uh, in my little bit of WoW experience, the the best experience I had in terms of overall polish, I thought was TBC, and I think a lot of people feel the same way because it was just essentially classic WoW, except actually balanced, <laughs> um, a lot, at least a lot better than uh, classic WoW was balanced, I should say, um, which is kind of okay depending or depending on your opinion of it and how the game's structured. But uh, in terms of fragmenting the community, I don't know if I really like buy that because. You're telling me that you wouldn't piss more people off by just saying, hey, I'm not going to have a classic server, period, now, and we're going to create a new progression server and completely get rid of the, the classic server. I think you would piss off way more people doing that than you would by having 
a uh, classic server have its small bit of population and then the majority of players are going to go to the progression experience i'm willing to to bet everything on that because that's just how how it goes you want to play the game that's going to have a future not the one that's just going to maintain that's that's the nice thing is like maintaining a classic server as classic as it is the only cost that blizzard is going to have is a couple of people on gm duties and running the server so cost wise it's like it, it doesn't even register on the papers as far as going for the progression like i think the key thing is if you're going to say like yeah we're going to progress do you want to really take what you had made because there's like a lot of things that you made were just you know on looking back were not really enjoyed so are you going to say like yeah we're just going to pull rather lich king out and we're going to change a few tweaks here and there or are you going to say you know what let's really make something new here and of course the point there is like it's going to cost a heck of a lot more money to make completely something new so i think if they would do progression i fear they would just go like oh, let's we know at least what the lich king is going to be relatively safe we just don't introduce the uh, looking for the group tool because that was not really enjoyed so let's keep that away and a few other things once you go past front of the lich king uh, I don't really think a lot of people are going to be all that happy. Uh, I would just like to say I'm definitely I'm definitely on the boat for TBC being probably the the best error of uh, WoW for the same exact reasons Nerd Slayer said it, it finally had a balance for both PVE and PvP. I mean, there there's always on balances in uh, or imbalances in the MMO games, but. TBC, I think, was the closest to uh, true balance without making every every class a cookie cutter like it is in uh, retail right now. But uh, uh, Alaris brought up something in chat saying uh, neither and to go the old school RuneScape route with the classic servers. And there's been a lot of talk on uh, the Reddits. Uh, there's been a lot of talk in Discords, and this is actually something a lot of a lot of people are are backing, and a lot of people. You have the classic purists, you have the guys who want progression servers, but there's also a loud third vocal community there that really feels like an alternate timeline for the Warcraft universe would be a really fun and community-driven way to push content forward the way Old School RuneScape, uh, sorry, Old School RuneScape uses uh, polling systems for their community. Yes, that's what we mean when we say Classic Plus, by the way. Like, Classic Plus just means old-school RuneScape copycat formula, basically. I think Card accidentally... Oh, there he is. Wait, did someone just drop out, or was that... Am I crazy? No, I checked something. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, I mean, I feel like obviously there's a lot of different ways to take this discussion and I don't want to send it into an, another universe because we probably could talk about it for a while. What I do want to ask though is, um, when it comes to the Burning Crusade, the part that I still find the most interesting about it in regards to the, this conversation of how to do a plus server is how are you going to handle, uh, flying and, and how are you going to handle 
them adding flying into the game and the way that they handled it in that game. If you're going to handle it from a classic plus perspective, does flying only still apply to those zones? Or maybe you also create that same rule of like, well, now flying is going to be available kind of everywhere. So it, I see it as like, if you start from classic WoW, then you're a, uh, asking the question of, can we do flying mounts? And if you're starting from TBC, you're not asking the question. You're, you're already dedicated to it. You're just going to have to figure out now how to balance it and how to make it work. So I think that maybe could be a little bit worrying just to, to wonder how they would handle such a thing. But um, I don't know. What do you guys think? Uh, simple. Honest, honestly, it, it doesn't seem like it would be a problem for them to just rerun through uh, what Burning Crusade had. Yeah, flying was problematic in certain events, but maybe they could just limit it by either having a lower height cap because nothing was more fun than having a warrior just drop down on you and charge from the middle of the sky and you couldn't even see it coming but in reality like you could just implement it however you wanted hell you could even monetize the methods of either transport or the servers keep you could they could simultaneously launch every uh expansion at once and every time you wanted to change your character up an expansion monetize it because they already do that for server changes i mean with regards to flying i think there are two ways to go around it one you just say like areas that are designed around it as in outland flying is flying you know you're gonna stick with it because you designed those whole places to be around flying and quite frankly you would have to completely redo outland to remove flying from it because it's such a crucial part of it. The other option is, like I said, like lower the high cap, you know, and give people tools to demount you in the air from the ground on PvP servers. So if you think you can just fly over and uh, look for some prey, and then uh, suddenly there's a rogue that sees you and he's like, he just launches a, a grapple hook at you and just pulls you from your mount in midair. And you know, brings you down towards him. Like it would remove falling. Like there would be no falling damage in this case, because otherwise it would get, of course, mean to the uh, extreme. But then it's like, okay, you told you could scout the prey out, but you know, the hunter can also become the hunted. So there are gameplay, you know, there are gameplay elements to be considered with that regard. I'm uh, I'm very much against flying, uh, seeing what it's done to the community over the years, especially after Cataclysm. Uh, there's nothing worse than a barren world, and as they've continued to progress flying, first it started off in Outland, then it went to Northern, so on and so forth, you don't see people anymore. The, the world PvP aspect almost no longer exists in the current game, and I think one of the main things people love about Classic and its its world building is the open world PvP and that, that danger around every corner. And flying kind of takes that away. I think it would be better off just to make it so some of those higher areas you needed flying to reach in Outland, you just make maybe a mountain pass or uh, a ground way to reach rather than implementing flying all over again. Because it's one of the crucial things that led to what world pvp is now and that's something that really 
doesn't exist. Uh, in current retail, you can actually just fly straight to kings of cities and just zerg them down real fast and take res sickness home to get achievements, which is kind of silly. There's no immersion in that. How are things? Right. Interesting. Uh, as regards to, like, I fully agree that flying made the world very empty. There's no doubt about that. And that's why I'm saying, like, if a zone was specifically designed around it, keep it. Uh, in there, all find gameplay ways around it and bring it down so people can be seen. I would be completely against introducing flying in the old world, for example, because that was never designed around it. So don't put it in there. Like, it's fully, you can quite easily traverse the old world as it stands. Yes, it will take longer, but that's part of it. And the other final thing I would like to know is if we're talking progression, and this is a point I brought up before, I think my main issue is going to be you're going to be spreading out a lot of people over less or for more and more and more terrain. So you're going to get less and less and less density over time. And that's one thing I think they would need to address before you start really thinking about progression and servers, because how are you going to keep things populated? Because maybe there is, you know, instead of putting people on completely separate servers, maybe there is a way for them to come up with some server tech that actually brings everybody together. And it could be a case that's, hey, you mix and match it. I'm not sure, but it's going to be really hard to not end with vacant zones as you have right now. It's like the only place you're going to find people in live WoW is in the BFA zones because everything else is just like nobody's going to be there. Like I've leveled tunes in life in PvP mode, without PvP mode. The first time you encounter people is maybe one or two in Legion zones and then it's going to be BFA. There's a lot to think about for sure, and I hope, um, I've said it before, but at some point I want to have a panel where I want to pick up some of the big, uh, I guess I would say opinionated WoW uh, personalities and see what they think about certain ideas um, to maybe open the game up a little bit. Because I, 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 in my eyes, like I see it as when people say, oh, keep classic, keep classic, classic, what they really mean is we don't think that you can make a better game. That's really what they mean. Um, we don't think we can. you can make a better game. So just keep it the same. Um, but if they make a better game, or hopefully when they make a better game, uh, that could be you know an inspiration, obviously, from their previous games. I think that that would uh, still guarantee that Blizzard is going to have a big percentage of the market um, in the future to come. So I think that one thing's for sure, they're not going to do nothing. Like they're they're going to capitalize in some way off of their success um, from Classic WoW. So I'm just uh, eager and curious to see how that unfolds and uh, what they end up doing. But I just think it's so interesting because we know something's going to happen. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, sorry, just like that is actually like the other business move, like. Take lessons on Classic, put it in the next WoW expansion, get good reviews on the next WoW expansion, people like your new WoW expansion, get feedback in the company like, oh, you can make good MMO, start working on new MMO. 
Because if they would launch an MMO right now, I think a lot of people would be like very, very hesitant. Right. Because their reputation is shit. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. And actually, I've I've brought that up, I think, as well, where I said they could do a classic uh, server, uh, prog- even progression-wise, a classic plus, let's say. But then at that time, slowly use those resources that they gain from the success of that um, to fund a new game. I mean, that to me is what I would do as a company. If you told me I had my classic product, I relaunched and it's doing really well, I'd say, okay, well, I want to do more of that. And then I want to somehow find out what to do next so I can transition both my current uh, uh, retail audience and my classic audience into my next game so I can make more money. <laughs> That's how I would think about it at least. But um, I, I don't have any other questions or any other lanes to go down. So I think I'll end this week's uh, roundtable. I'd like to thank everybody today for stopping by. It was a shorter one. It was a little bit more laissez-faire, but... Hey, we have to react whenever games come out that are that are high profile like this. And you know what? I don't I don't mind the idea of doing a little roundtable after the launch of different MMOs where maybe we just talk a little bit about our initial thoughts and then kind of revisit it at another time. Um, I think that that stuff is always enjoyable to do. So, yeah, thanks for stopping by everybody today and joining me. I appreciate it. Take it easy, dude. Have a good one. See you later. All right. <laughs> wow, classic mobile game clearly is the path forward. Are you sure Bl- Blizzard isn't running a Coke new Coke scheme? So that's actually what I it's funny you say that, Heel, because like this is exactly the analogy I've made before when I've said it's not out of the question for an old product to come back and beat the ass of the current product because the current product essentially is cheaper but inferior. This happened with Coke. Coke has Coke and then Coke bottles. Coke bottles here in Austin are sold everywhere. Coke cans, you can only find them in certain places. That sounds strange to most Americans because it's the opposite. But it's that way here because we expect real sugar. We don't want the high fructose corn syrup thing. And that's kind of, weirdly enough, a good analogy for uh, current WoW. Retail WoW is like the, like the high fructose corn syrup. It was designed in a way to be cheaper and more efficient. And so it's like it's good at that. It appeals to a broader audience for sure because it is cheaper. It's more affordable. But is it as enjoyable as that original Coke experience? No, that's debatable. So I do think that it's funny because you can draw a lot of similarities between that and that, you know, Coke learned that the hard way, uh, essentially, that, hey, our old Coke is kind of doing well now with, uh, with, the, with the new Coke, if you will. Um, and uh, the numbers are doing really well. They probably will push uh, both retail and classic in their respective fashion. I enjoy both for different reasons. I feel a lot of people will switch uh, or will switching between each depending on patch cycles. I don't see how you can make the argument that people would switch between the two. The games are so diametrically opposed. The only way I could see that is if if you just really want to get the incentive and they like give you some sort of incentive to play the other game. Like There's been rumors that they might give you a level boost if you hit level 60 or something like that in BFA. I really don't think there's a lot of crossover, honestly. I think it goes one direction. Uh, retail, the classic, not the other way around. Because if I'm going to play another MMO, I'm not going to play retail. I'm going to play another game. Like If I can't play classic WoW, I'm not playing retail WoW. I'm playing another game. And I, I think a lot of people would feel probably very similar because the games themselves are not very similar. They're not. At the core of what they are, they're kind of really the opposites if you think about it. 
the focus of the story is completely different in both games. Um, the character perspective uh, from what you're playing from, right? The story perspective, totally different from both games. And also just the scale of the world feels way bigger in uh, Classic WoW than in the current game, even though the current game is bigger. That's the funny thing. When a patch cycle gets old in retail, switch to classic and vice versa. Okay. So that, that makes sense to me. But are they doing something in BFA to make you want to play classic besides you just have access to it because of your sub? Because I'm wondering if they will do that. Because it seems like I kind of agree with Binato in the sense that if they are going to want to funnel you one way, they're going to want to funnel you the other way. Because retail WoW makes more money. I don't see a whole lot of incentive for them to funnel their retail players into classic WoW. Except if it's just like, hey, don't quit our game, please play Classic WoW kind of thing. Which is a very effective uh, uh, business strategy that's been working and currently is working. Hey, thanks. But you've got the wrong right now I'm just waiting for Hytale, who's interested in I'm interested in that. I think it's very interesting. That's incentive enough, to be honest, a free sub to Classic for subbing to retail? Huh. I, I would I think I can agree with that. But um I don't I don't know if you're mishearing my argument uh, card but my argument is that I don't think it goes both ways. I think it goes one way primarily. I think retail players go try cl classic. I don't think classic players really go and try retail. I, I genuinely could not understand thematically, conceptually mental I can't see a, a way that that, that would follow. Yes, it doesn't make sense for me just because of the, the way that the games are so different, I guess. So sorry, I, I hope that makes sense. But yeah, I, I mean it one way as in classic to retail, not retail to classic. Or sorry, yeah, not that way. You know what I mean? <laughs> classic players are more loyal than retail players. That, that might be true, especially because they're more like um, particular with what kind of game they want, right? Uh, hey, thanks for the, for the wow, it says five tier one subs. Thanks for the five tier one subs, uh, card. I'm going to have to do some uh, Fedora tips. Lich Breed, Fune, Hilarious, Fido, Montoya, the Fat Cat 009 all got uh, uh, some tier one subs. So thanks for the support card. I appreciate it. And also thanks for helping out as usual. Um, here are the fedora tips for each of you, the five of you. We're at 53 now, guys. Wow. I feel like such a shitty human being whenever we get to 53. And I started my stream late today. Thanks, guys. I'm just kidding. <laughs> thanks for the support card, man. I appreciate it. Thanks. I think uh, it's right now it's, it's a shootout between you and... Um, you and uh, Rafnar about who buys the most subs uh, for gifts. I think a lot of classic players are retail players, but time will tell at the moment. All is in flux. Oh, I think so as well, Card. Um, I think so as well. In fact, I would argue probably a good amount of them are, right? Wouldn't you think so? Like maybe like a maybe I don't know if I'll say majority, maybe a third. But obviously, I'm just throwing that out there. Retail while is trying to appeal to a younger, shorter attention span demographic. And I think that that can still be uh, appealed to. So let me put that out there. I know sometimes you guys hear my opinions. I talk shit about something. You hear it from that perspective. You might just think that I hate all of it. It's all, it's all fucked. Um, I want better MMORPGs, but I'm also okay with games like Classic, or sorry, uh, Retail WoW still existing. 
Like, I'm okay with transmog-style games, with lobby-style games. Just call them what they are, multiplayer online RPGs. And so, like, that kind of experience, I do think there's still a market for that. I do think people still want to play that kind of game. Look at how popular Final Fantasy XIV is. That style of game does work and is still popular. But does it work when it tries to be an MMO? Well, a lot of them have failed when they've tried to do that. So why just why not just shred all of that and just say, fuck that? Fuck trying to be an MMO. Just be a really good story multiplayer experience. And I think that you can still offer everything that classic... Uh, I keep saying classic, guys. I've been playing too much classic WoW. Uh, retail WoW and current hey, generation of MMOs offers. I'm good at shooting people, cracking wise, and pretending to know how to fight <laughs> with my hands. Alright. Uh, Asthemic just gifted uh, five more subs. Are you guys trying to make me just rant today, man? But you've got the wrong guy. I feel, I feel like that's why you guys are working in concert. Y'all want to see me just like profusely sweating like that one meme where the guy's just like veins are popping out of his head? Hey. Thanks. Let's turn the soapbox on because we're gonna get soapboxing. Thank you for the support, uh, Asthemic. I really appreciate it. <laughs> uh, he gifted Dustin's place, Edris, Meowth, Frostbrew, and uh, Yinger all a sub. So here's a one, two, three, four, five. So a tip for all of you guys. A tip for a tip, right? Hey. Thanks. Uh, so I need to change my title. It's totally wrong. We're now at 58 subs. That's the most I've ever had, guys. So congratulations. You brought a smile to a, a detective's face today. Thanks, Athemic. Um, I pronounced your name for some reason like Mike Tyson. Themic. Glad to be here for this historic day. Yeah, thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. And um, while we're here, let's just talk about more MMO stuff. Um, really, now I can just open it up to the floor. So if you guys have any questions you'd like to ask me, think of this as the call-in segment. I've just got the soapbox title because uh, I'm ready to get soapy, ready to get ranty. Let's talk about some things. I think what's been most interesting to me so far about watching um, how the whole launch process has gone out, is I think that what I love the most about MMOs on a core basis, of course, is the social elements. But a really cool aspect of MMOs I like as well is that you as a person are directly incentivized for having more knowledge. And I mean immediately you are incentivized. This is going to be a bit of a long analogy, but hear me out. So in the real world, are you incentivized in the same way to to want to like dedicate yourself to something of course except the big difference is time investment in the real world right things take a lot of time to get good at so if you want to get good at piano you're talking years and years of playing and hours and hours of lessons and, and, and learning on your own right it's it takes a lot of effort to learn on your own period um let alone have to go get lessons from a bunch of instructors uh, instructors sorry so it takes a long time to get good at piano but when you're playing an MMO, which people always describe as a piano because of all of the abilities, I'm partly joking, but that is a real meme that I see people say a lot. Um, oh, it's too many abilities. It's like a piano. Anyway, when you're playing an MMO, you have a much shorter progression schedule. So like in this period of time, for a day's work in real life, how much closer are you to your ultimate goals? Probably like a little bit closer, right? Like maybe you work like a hard day. You're like, man, like, I saved like 10 more dollars today. Like, 
or at least if you're like me and you don't have a lot of money, you save like a little bit more money. You're like, oh, I save this much more money. That save this much more money. Your progress is so slow. In a MMO though, even with slow progression, it's still much faster than it would be otherwise in real life. So it's like you can feel quite accomplished for playing MMOs and that's why people kind of create their identities around MMOs. They're a social group, which people create their identities around social groups. For example, work, school, hobby groups, you name it. Um, and now they're doing it in that. And then they're taking a lot of value out of it. But the coolest part is that now you can actually make a living out of it. You can make videos. You can make uh, tutorials. You can stream. You can do all of these different things. So, so many different types of play within MMOs are supported. And, and content, period, is supported. So, so I think it's just cool that you can really... Um, you can really uh, f focus not just on social elements and in, in the games that I like, but the knowledge aspect, right? Learning, getting better at a skill, becoming more accomplished, um, becoming more competent. Of course, your character literally gains levels, so it's getting more skill, and it gets more ability, so it's literally gaining more skills. But you also, um, you know, figuratively and literally, are gaining skills. You're learning how to solve problems. You're learning how to work together, how to communicate, how to set goals, how to um, uh, focus on things. And actually, it's ironic that I'm 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 ranting about this now because uh, a pretty big uh, a pretty big streamer recently, he's a Smash Brothers streamer, uh, Smash Brothers Pro even, um, really good player. His name's Leffen. He uh, talked about this recently actually, and I saved both of the tweets. Um, I'll put it on screen really quickly. So he said, um, his first tweet was, I don't expect the average person who, who didn't play WoW back in the day to ever really get how big Classic WoW is. But just imagine if your favorite, most influential thing of your childhood, be it your favorite band, game, or sport, disappeared and it was impossible to revisit. Outside of Melee, WoW definitely helped me grow as a person more than any other game. Working with others and socializing with people with vastly different backgrounds is something WoW did better than any regular game ever could. And so that was just like a little bit of an example, but it's so true that you can get so much uh, value out of an MMO experience just also as a person, like from a skills perspective, you can learn how the economy works. You can learn how social environments work, how social hierarchies work, how um, forming groups together works, how meeting friends works. These are very, very important lessons in life that just about everybody should know and you know good mmo rpg experiences are rife with experiences like that and instances like that and it's just cool to to see classic wow get this popularity because it is a game that does incentivize being educated looking things up knowing the rotations knowing how to get certain quest items that are hard to find and really just, it goes back to that age of MMO where it was all about just focusing on finding every little bit of nook and cranny you can in the game to explore and enjoy and different ways to enrich or uh, uh, increase the ability of your character, you know? And so many games have lacked that in current days and age where knowledge isn't really as important as a skill and, and a good example of this is let's say you load into a game i don't know let's just say like a a battle uh, a royale game or a shooter or something in most of those games there's not a whole lot of knowledge that's needed 
You just need to know how to aim, which I'm not saying is easy or is an easy thing, but it's a mechanical thing. It's not really a knowledge thing per se. It's more like a mechanical habit, right? You can know how to aim logically and still can't aim mechanically. That happens to a lot of people. And so um, it, it's, it's not out of the question to uh, mechanically be able to do something and yet not really understand it. Does that make sense? So like some people can look at something and be like, huh, I can do this, mo this motion, but I don't really know why I'm doing it um, or what the reason for doing it is. MMOs are much different because they're not nearly about visceralness of being uh, attached to your character and being able to kind of like move and react to, to different attacks and things like that. Usually it's tab target, so it's a little bit more structured. And so in a game like that, the only way to really beat a person or to beat an encounter is to be prepared, right? be prepared and to make the right decisions and making the right decisions is an is an education thing it's a knowledge thing so if you're playing a raid you have to be knowledgeable of the raid or the dungeon in order to perform the best that being said i've played many current um uh gin i guess you would say raids or dungeons where i don't even know what the dungeon does ever played the dungeon before and yet i can still figure out how to survive from it and that's because the goalposts have been moved overall to where it's no longer just like, oh, we have the dungeons and they're difficult and you got to learn the mechanics. So it's about knowledge and preparation. No, 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 no. We're going to make the base level game really easy. So you don't even need to look anything up. You don't need to do any research. And if you just have enough brain cells to like not stand in the fire, you can kind of make it. Um, I'm just glad that MMOs are returning back to more of the kind of game where it's like, you're directly incentivized for having that knowledge, you know? And a good example in a PvP scenario with this is, I love uh, talking about PvP. PvP is one of my favorite things because it's just a very interesting part of life and part of video games, of course, and MMORPGs. With PvP, um, things that exist in uh, PvE do exist in PvP, but they don't exist in the same way. And a good example of this is that you, you might ask, well, yeah, like for a raid, you prepare and you prepare incessantly, you learn all of the rotations, so you have this knowledge, right? Um, you could do the equivalent of that for a PvP encounter, and yet you could still be wiped and destroyed. Why is that? Well, the simplest reason is the variables, right? A raid is a controlled variable and on its own. The raid itself is a controlled variable. It's going to act that same way every single time. It's not going to change. That's the mechanics of it. The, the, the variables are you as the players. Are all of you going to stand in the fire? Are you going to move out of the way properly? Whatever else, right? In PvP, it's a little bit different, right? Because you can't predict how it's going to go necessarily, it's more about being ready for whatever possible solution happens. So there's a lot of more, uh, there's a lot more kind of like, um, preparation isn't nearly as effective as what I'm trying to say. You have to be kind of more in the moment. And it works that way in, in fighting in real life, by the way. As someone, as you guys know, as I've said many times, that, that trains martial arts. If you want to get good at a martial art, you kind of have to practice the hard way, which is like kind of not being good at. And that's not really that fun for majority of people, which is why they don't end up doing it that much. PvP is kind of the same thing, right? It's not so enjoyable to practice and learn, and yet that's basically the only way to get good at it. And so... Where PvE and PvP differ is that when you PvE and you're repeating the same rotations and doing the same encounters to get better at them, it's all about predicting what's going to happen next. So it's sequential. Um, PvP is not like that. It's a lot more freeform. So you don't know 
how to learn from your mistakes, if that makes sense, inherently. You don't, because you don't know if you died because you stood in the fire in a PvP scenario as you do when you die in a raid. In a raid or a dungeon, I don't know about you guys, but having pulled a couple of dungeons since my time playing Classic WoW already, you know why you die, right? Sometimes in PvP, you don't necessarily know why you die. And I think that's another frustrating part of, of playing PvP for players is that they, they don't know why they're dying, and they're dying. And it doesn't matter how much in their perfect scenario of a brain, they're like, oh, but if I roll here and, and do the move here with like the, the, the spin around 360, maybe I can avoid this attack. And like, There's a lot of players who play like that or think like that. I've been around them where, where they play a PvP game. They're like, I'm going to react this way, and I'm going to react this way, I'm going to react this way. And the same thing happens in martial arts. You encounter people who are like, dude... If I got into a fight, bro, I hit him with the boom, boom, with the bop, bam, and it would go like that. And it's like, but what if he did this? And then all of a sudden, that one thing that he could have changed would have unraveled everything that you said. And so that's where I think raids are a little bit behind PvP, is if raids had a lot more dynamism, they could have some of that element mixed in, it, uh, mixed in with it as well, where it's like, you don't know exactly how the uh, cake is going to come out, but you know what the ingredients are, if that makes sense. So the cake can come out differently every single time in, in some ways, right? Uh, there's parity, but it still has the same ingredients. So you know what kind of raid you're getting into. I don't know. It's just, it's interesting to think about those differences between PvP and PvP, or sorry, PvE and PvP players. You kind of understand why PvP has such a negative connotation. It's because in real life, martial arts and fighting has a negative connotation because it's you versus another person in a, in a, in sometimes a visceral interaction between you where you're just like, it's me versus you and I have to show that I'm better than you. And no amount of like, but I read 16 books and 18 guides and 60 billion um, essays. Why am I not beating you? Because I actually practiced, like I actually mechanically practiced versus just knowing the theory. So I guess I'm talking about that interesting dynamic between you want knowledge in your game. You want knowledge to be a big part of an MMO, as I've already said, because of all of the abilities, all of the class archetypes and the specs and things like that. That's what makes it fun, right? Bunch of different tools and different ways to solve uh, puzzles, right? Maybe this class has a kit that works in this way, whereas this one is a little bit more offensive, so his kit works in this way, right? Exactly. So you, you kind of get how it works in that sense. But there's also the downside in that you can't make the game too mechanical because then it's a lot more like a non-MMO experience. Uh, for example, um, really good shooters that are hard to play, hard to pick up, and hard to master, um, they're not going to be nearly as appealing for the average player to want to experience, especially a player who wants to engage in social activities, role play, crafting, you name it. And so I get that conceptually. Um, it's not very attractive for an MMO to have some super skill-intensive system, mechanical system. But I certainly think that there is room for both. You can have knowledge be a big part of your game. Excuse me. Through things like specs and traits and builds and um, comps, team comps and things like that. All right, those are ways you can outsmart people um, through preparation and through clever use of uh, in-game abilities, right? Strategy. But then there's also that aspect that you want to be able to beat somebody with, which is maybe you're just really fast on the trigger. So you enter, you kick at the right time. You get that interrupt off. You get a proper a CC off and interrupt a heal. You're 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 more about you you know the right timing for things. 
you can combine those together. It's just that you can't go too far into one direction because you in inherently, I think, alienate the other kind of player. So a very mechanical player who gets off on playing a game that's like they're, they feel attached to their character and they make the right moves and it's precision movement, they might not be the kind of player who wants to study and read a, a, read a 10 page essay about how to play that class, right? That might not be that kind of player. They're like, I mean, I wanna practice, I wanna get good, but I don't wanna have to read like an essay about how to get good. I just wanna like do it. So that mechanical player uh, gets that enjoyment and can still find enjoyment because his game is mechanically complica uh, complicated enough. But if the game is too mechanically complicated, then the, the big brain player, if you will, uh, for my analogy, is like, this is just too many inputs. I can't keep up with this. Like, maybe they're old. Maybe they have some sort of um, disability. Maybe that's just not their sort of game. Maybe they're not a big reflex kind of player. And so they, if the, if the game is too much in that sense, then you hurt the players who just can't react fast enough. And not reacting fast enough isn't the only thing you need to do in a situation. And my, my example of this is, let's bring it back to martial arts. So in martial arts, you've got Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which is a ground form based uh, martial art that's about grappling. And so it's about like submitting your opponent or putting them in pins where they can't get out. Whereas boxing is about moving quickly, uh, using uh, lateral movements and inflicting as much pu punishment as possible. Theoretically both, right? And this, is, this has happened, they, they, they invented it, it's called the UFC, but they, there's always been that idea of like, yeah, but what if you take this guy in this element and put him against this guy in this element? And depending on which guy gets to impose their element, of course they're going to have the advantage. But if the, if the game or the system only adheres to their element, let's say uh, it's, a, it's an MMA fight, but they don't let them go to the ground, well then of course the boxer is going to be favored in that scenario. And I kind of think of it as like the same thing in a MMO. You can have a combat system that incentivizes and, and, and has classes and play styles for the big brains, the ones who can think about elaborate rotations and like crazy uses of uh, clever mechanics and things like that. You can have like the warlock class, if you will, the hunter class for, for your player base. But then you can also have the warrior or you can have something like uh, the rogue, which is a little bit more mechanically intensive. You can find a, a different range of that. It doesn't have to be every single class just adheres to one kind of model. And I think that's where a lot of class design goes wrong in MMOs is like they think of it as like all of our characters need to be fast and, and exciting and yeah. And like I think of Black Desert Online and games like that are very much like that where it's like everyone's fast and like can dash and like wow it's cool. But then is it's like but what if I want to play the player or the play style where it's like you guys are worrying about mashing your buttons and stuff and getting proper movement and getting behind me and doing knockdowns in your CC. Meanwhile, maybe I'm more of like a control-oriented player where I just want to put my AOEs on the ground and like stay away from me. And, you know, like you have to have um, enough variety, I think, in your MMO experience to allow for different ranges of skill there. Because just like in society, um, combat doesn't just favor the people who are a blunt object, right? Combat can also favor the people who are really smart. And I think that that's one cool thing that MMOs do better than almost any game in my experience, besides maybe like RPGs. Um, but I think they do better than RPGs, a mixture of the two. MMOs are so great um, in comparison. I'm not saying that they're, they're without fault. Of course, I've, I just highlighted they have faults. But they're really good 
They're really good at allowing for you to use your brain, use your mind to outsmart your opponent, but also have some level of mechanical ability. Maybe you have to press the right ability at the right time. You got to press your hotkey. You got to press your heel. You got to do that, do that. You got to press the right heel on your teammate. who's super low, uh, whatever it might be. It allows for a lot more of a broad range of that, if that makes sense. So it's a game that maybe if you like shooters, you can get into MMOs. Maybe if you like RTS games, you can get into MMOs. And there's not a whole lot of games that I think are like that. Like you look at the RTS genre, and yes, StarCraft does exist. So there are fast-paced RTS games. But as somebody's going to correct me in chat, StarCraft's often not really even considered an RTS game in the same sense because most people consider RTS games to be kind of like the Times uh, 3 games, you know, like the um, uh, Endless Legend or or um, Civilization or uh, Stellaris, right? They consider those to be RTS games. And those games take a lot more knowledge than StarCraft does, right? StarCraft takes a lot more mechanics than those games take. And so it's like you have that balance. And yet in a MMO, you could literally have both in the same game. And like what other game could you have that in the same way? I find it's hard to do that with shooters. Look at Overwatch's problem. They've repeatedly nerfed their hit scanners. Why? Because the game is focused on abilities and heroes. It's not supposed to be focused on the guns. So they constantly nerf uh, classes in that game that have good guns because they don't want players to just abuse their mechanical ability. They want them to also use the strategy and the teamwork elements. But MMOs, man, like a good MMO, you could have both of that. You could have the player who's got to know how to interrupt properly, and you could have the player who knows how to properly use his uh, prepara uh, preparatory re rotation to deal with a, a big group of players or a particular kind of threat. Maybe he's going up against a shadow priest and he knows how to cleanse or, or purge or whatever, right? There is a multiplayer game, not an MMO, that has a style variant with some styles more effective against others. Absolver? Yeah, I think I've heard that game. That game does a style like that. It's when, PV it's, it's when players meet often. Um, it's not considered an RTS. They're turn-based. Okay. Turn-based 4X games. Yeah, sorry about that. Did I say 3X? <laughs> Aren't those just strategy games, not RTS games? I mean, Stellaris is real time. Can you pause? In, I mean, you can pause in Sins of a Solar Empire, but can you pause in Stellaris? I mean, I guess, like, technically you can pause the game, but is it a paused-based game? I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, everyone's talking about how awesome Stellaris is. But yeah, like, th that's just the kind of stuff that I talk about. Because I think maybe, like... Sometimes I think people look at my content and they think, oh, you just want, you want another Quake-style MMO. And it's like, I like Dark Falls Combat System, but it also had very obvious issues. So it's like, I'm not asking for one extreme over the other. I'm not saying you need to give me 100 abilities or just 10 and make your game, you know, Twitch combat. I'm not saying it needs to be either or. I actually think that the best place is somewhere in between. If you could say, well... Why don't we have specs and different builds, but still allow for maybe time-specific things like interrupts and maybe combos? Those require time-specific uh, inputs. So you can, you can combine these things together. And guess who does a good job of that, guys? Arcage. Arcage does a really good job of that with its combat system. It's got specs. Um, you can play a bunch of different kind of specs, right? Looking up some video. 
kind of look up some old PvP. Where you can, you know, maybe you pull off a combo on somebody because you properly... Oh, come on, they're just doing dungeons? Or uh, some sort of um, instance? Good old uh, quality, right? Let's see if I can go higher than that. So this is a tab target game, and yet when people watch this game... I'm going to wager many of them would not be able to tell immediately it's a, it's a tab target game. And that's because although there is tabs and you see he did lock into his target, he does also have to aim a lot of his abilities. Look at how much movement there is in the game as well. There's so much movement in the game because, well, he backpedaled a lot there, which slowed him down tremendously. He keeps backpedaling, which is slowing his momentum, which is a bit uh, funny to me. But anyway, I, I, can, I can notice things about his movement because of the fluidity of the movement, right? So this is a game that took, you know, what I, what I talked about. It took a system where you can combine three different classes together and have, you know, these different specs, which opens up the variety and the sheer amount of uh, classes and, and um, archetypes you could play in the game. But they didn't just stop there and then just make the game really easy to play. They were like, no, let's make a fun, exciting combat system as well. Maybe one that even has combos to it. And that's what Arcage did as well. They added a combat system which is about movement. You can get behind your target. You can LOS your targets in this game. There's combat. Uh, there's combos where you can hit somebody as they're falling down, spike them into the air. Um, there's abilities you can lock people in like a little ball of water and they float up in the air. Like the CC in this game is just, it's very um, impactful and it's really fun to get off because it actually works. It actually does something. But yeah, I guess um, the examples I was thinking about, maybe that's why I like Arcage's combat system so much. I feel like it does a good job of that. Like this, this combat still looks plenty fast. He's playing pretty flat, uh, pretty fast as a player because of his given spec. But you can see there's other players here, like this guy over here standing still for the majority of it because he's playing some kind of caster. There's, there's a different play style for every kind of player. If you want something slower, play something slower. If you want something faster, you can play something faster. And yet they can still be sort of balanced against each other even though they, they uh, have different roles or do different tasks. Now you're just going to make me want to buy Arcade Unchained. <laughs> like, I'm going to get Arcade Unchained, and I'll tell you why. Um, I want to take Gamago for their word this time, but I'm doing that with a bit of a, ca a caveat. I'm t uh, the caveat is I'm going to cover the game. So if they're wrong, if they do renege on what they're saying, on what they said, if they do end up bringing back these like um, predatory business practices that they, they said that they're not no longer or they're no longer going to do, I will be there and I will be banging the drum. So that's why I'm going to buy it. That's why I'm going to play it, and that's why I'm going to do some content on it. Is that I'm 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 there really just to follow the whole story because Arcage to me matters as an MMO. It meant something back then. It still means something today. And I think it could still theoretically end up being something. So it's like a, it's a combination of I liked it. It was fun. It had flaws. I want to see what happens with it. Curiosity. How are people going to receive it? You know, like me personally, I look at MMOs from a lot of different perspectives. It's not just, um, do I want to play it? Um, uh, what's up, you'll, you'll enjoy it, man. It's really fun. And also, um, this is a PvP-centric game, so, hey, boys, if you want to get ready to fight, 
this is the kind of game to play. And here's the beauty of it, though. I'm not trying to scare away PvE players or crafters. There's plenty of that to do in this game as well. Maybe you want to ride around in your boat and fish, uh, which there's a total in-game supported for that. Maybe you want to craft in other ways and do other kinds of crafting. Maybe you want to do player housing. Maybe you want to farm. There's a farming system in the game. There's tons of different ways. And it's like, these are all things you guys have heard me suggest before. I just got them from Arcage. The thing that Arcage just uh, fucked up on the most, though, was its business model, was its reputation. It ruined its reputation over and over and over again to the point to where it just did irreparable damage. But even today, people still care about Arcage. And that's crazy to me. If it didn't matter and it was so inconsequential, why do people still care? And the reason is, is as from the developers' mouths themselves, as they said, people still care because they think, man, what if? What if it would have worked? What if they wouldn't have done all of that shit? What if? So that's my question with Arcage. What if? And I want to see what if, just like I did with Classic WoW. I'm trying to get out there more and play more MMOs and be on the front lines for whenever all of the news happens because, hey, it's fun to play MMOs. And I love to, to research and study a game that I'm playing as well, just inherently. So it's almost like a cheat code <laughs> to cover it, you know? You get so interested into it. <laughs> you already tricked us into WoW. Well, luckily, we've got another 28 days before this game comes out. And also, raids aren't going to be happening but, uh, in that time. I don't think so. Like, maybe we'll do, like, an early raid, but at this point, it looks like it's going to take me at least three more weeks to hit max level. So I don't think I'm going to be doing a raid by then. I should say on both of my characters. I should specify on both of my characters. I don't think I'd be max level until this game came out anyway. So I guess um, my, uh, the only thing I'd be doing in, in WoW at that point would be logging in to do events, to do raids and potentially level up any more characters. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that hopefully if I keep up with my leveling, like I'm trying to, um, then I'll have enough uh, progress already put in where I won't have to keep putting in so much time into playing WoW daily. That way I can put all that time into leveling in uh, Arcage. So it's my first time in a long time playing two MMOs at the same time, but I don't see why not. They, they, they um, satisfy different things for me. One is about the combat system the sandbox elements. The other one is about the uh, PvP, the, the world, the, um, the guild experiences. Uh, and I mean, Arcage has that as well, but I just think that WoW has that um, better when it comes to like raids and dungeons and group PvE, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So I've got my group PvE game that has a lot of PvP in it as well. And then I've got my PvP game that also has a lot of PvE in it as well. But man, I, it, it's not like realistic to play them both completely seriously. Um, but, you know, We'll see. I'm going to make it work. You'd like to go sailing in, uh, in uh, Arcage again? Hey, I love sailing. In fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it out there right now. I'm making a pirate guild. So if you want to come join me, guys, you better be a pirate. Arg. Just because I find it more fun to play the game that way. You can steal people's trade packs. Um, that adds a whole level of content to the game. We could also do mercenary work for people. Like maybe we become uh, uh, pirates but we do mercenary jobs. 
and I've done this in mini games before, so it's possible. We could become a guild just like in WoW on a lesser scale in WoW, but just like in WoW, we could become a guild where people are legitimately like, hey, we need to get into this dungeon. Can you come protect us? We need to get to this raid. Can you come protect us? Or in the case of Arcage, hey, we want to turn in some trade packs. If we pay you a fourth of it, will you guys defend us? Absolutely. And so that's what I love about Arcage is that it lets me be a pirate, a pirate who wants to go PK people and make lots of money. It's that kind of game. And Classic WoW is not really that kind of game for me. It's more of like, you're relaxed, man. I, I, excuse me. I keep pulling on my mic. It's more like you're relaxed. Like, I'm leveling up, man. I'm chilling. I'm doing another WC run. You know, I'm leveling up my character. It's like, it's less of that, like, woof, we need, we need to go get the booty, boys. Which is how I feel a lot more about Arcage. I mean, you can't technically become a pirate. But you kind of can be a pirate. I think your point about uh, strategy elements and MMOs is great. An MMO with a long-term strategic layer would be excellent. And I think so as well. Like, why not just go macro? And what I mean by that is that, and I've mentioned this before, so sorry if you've heard this. I know Limpos has because I talked to him about it. Uh, I think Card as well when we, when we rant about Mountain Blade because all of us find Mountain Blade fascinating. Even if we don't play it like daily, we all find it fascinating in our Discord. And I think it's hard not to find the game so fascinating. It has so many fascinating elements to me. It's like a tabletop game and yet it lets you play like fucking Dynasty Warriors. It's like, what? It's such a weird amalgamation. And yet I think MMOs have a lot to learn from that. They could take a map, a macro map, and make an MMO out of that. And so you could have a lot of strategy elements. And they've tried to do this before in games. Of Kings of Men tried it. They failed uh, epically when they tried. But to have a world map where you can actually engage in these little battles, kind of like in, uh, in um, Mountain Blade, but in an MMO perspective. So you're still playing an MMO. You still load into the game. You have the action combat. And yet you still got the macro board. You got the map, you know? And, and you have to make strategic decisions, right? Isn't that pretty cool? The new pirate system that every week there can only become 10 pirates. Wait, so you can become only 10 people pirate up to 50 people. Then you're in a queue until somebody leaves the pirate nation or is not playing for a week and then gets kicked. Well, damn, that's going to suck for people who don't get in immediately. So wait a minute. If you get into the pirate uh, guild and then you just like stay in and grind no lifestyle, does that mean that other newer players wouldn't be able to become a pirate? Huh. Confused about how that's supposed to work. Still cartoony? Uh, what's cartoony? WoW? WoW is very cartoony. I, I much prefer the graphics in Arcage. That's another thing where it just, uh, Arcage just kicks its ass. I don't want to look at recent footage, because recent footage is just... <laughs> Who's got the bigger wallet? <laughs> Hey, Brawly, could you find me uh, the article where they explained how they changed the system, man? Because I, I want to see for sure. Because if, if that's the case, I'm, don't you have to just rush being a pirate then? How else would you become a pirate if that's the case? Uh, Nerd Slayer, will Arcage Unchained be uh, mandatory open world PvP? No, I would never make PvP mandatory, but guild events are, are mandatory in my guild. Otherwise, why are you even in my guild? Why do you want to play with us if you don't want to play with us? You know what I mean? So, like, I'm not going to force somebody to <laughs> go be a hardcore PvP or if that's not their thing. If they just want to farm or craft or come along for the show, I totally get that. 
Um, but if you want to go to a guild event and the guild events like, hey, let's go get a house. Like, yeah, you better get ready to PvP. <laughs> That's part of an MMO experience in my eyes. Same thing goes for raiding. I want to raid in, MMO, in MMOs as well. Not because raiding is my favorite thing, but because that's the big part of the game. Raiding, you know? So you want to do that big part of the game with your friends and with people that you're playing with in a guild, if that makes sense. Too bad about Rift as well. I love the weird art style and the theme of religion versus technology. And I liked Rift as well, and I don't want to rant too much about Rift today, because, man, I'll just... I'd be laying it on Tryon Worlds at this point. <laughs> but the, 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 the most hilarious rhetoric that I love about Tryon Worlds, guys, like this genuinely cracks me up when I see this. As people will say like, oh, well, like why are people thinking Arcage is going to be bad this time? It was only bad last time because Tryon. It's like... It, it wasn't bad because of Tryon. But then what about Rift? If Tryon was the only reason why Arcage was bad, then why did they fuck up Rift? Like, I keep asking this question, and nobody ever gives me an answer. If, if XL Games is to blame for Arcage's problems, and Tryon Worlds was just like, gun to head Pepe emoji, like, oh my god, I, can't, I must make the game have all of this Thunderwood and, you know, labor point system and make shit tons of money with camouflage and whatever else, and the housing systems that are bugged and glitched and taken advantage of by exploiters. Or they were like, hey, make us money. You know? And then all of a sudden, Tryon was like, wait a minute, the gun's not pointed at us anymore. This is a lot of money. Make more. That's what they did. That's the timeline of events. XL Game comes into the picture, gives them the rights to do Arcage, and all of a sudden, all of their other games have the same kind of shit? And it's XL Games' fault? Or they figured out how much money they were making. They figured out how much money Korean companies were making, and they were like, we gotta do that. That's what the story seems to tell to me when I told it in my Arcage video. <laughs> why did they screw up Defiance? Yeah, why did they screw up Defiance? <laughs> Poor Defiance, man. It gets beat up so much, dude. It really does. And I beat it up a lot as well. But not the not the older one, but the newer one. Just because it looks like shit, man. And I'm tired of them selling the same games to people. Like, was Defiance 20 whatever it was called the equivalent of Classic WoW or Arcage Unchained? No. Is an Arcage Prime server the same as a Classic Arcage server? Or an Arcage server without all of the microtransactions? Well, no. So Tryon was like trying to say like, oh, we're doing different server experiences, but it was just the same shit. If Gamago is true to their word, this is different. What? Only time will tell, right? Only time will tell. Defiance 2050 is crap. I beta tested it, lost everything in the swap. Sweet. Thanks for the link, uh, Brawly. Okay, so which is the one that I should click on here? I uh, just the most the latest one. Sorry, I'm just trying to make sure is this for the Arcage Unchained 
Or is this the new content that's coming to Korea? Oh, wow. A farmhouse? I don't think I've ever seen a farmhouse before. Regional office? Here. I'll let you guys see what I'm looking at. You can't find the one with pirates anymore because it's older? I don't remember any of this shit, though. Warehouses and processing factories. Regional offices. Like, this is all interesting to me and has me excited. I don't know. I'm going to reach out to Gamago. I'm going to see if they, um, maybe they'd like me to cover their game. Um, I'm, I'm not really sure they will just because, you know, they can't control me. Uh, no publisher will be able to if I'm going to work with them. But um, regardless, I'm going to cover it. What would you guys like to see me cover in regards to Arcage? Um, maybe just do a video updating about the recent news. Because I'm thinking I'm going to do a lot of research. I'm, I'm, I'm sorely behind. been leveling up in WoW. But I need to... Um, I'm going to use this website actually, Brawly. Maybe I'll make a video updating everybody on current day. What to expect from Arcage Unchained. and um, what I guess I'm going to expect. Hmm. Yeah, I think I'll do something like that. That seems interesting. What their roadmap is would be nice. Yeah, a roadmap would be, would be very nice, actually. I'm surprised I haven't really seen a roadmap yet. There's a lot of new stuff out. Even if I play so long this game, I can't keep up with all of the new updates. And I think that's very attractive about them doing this Arcage uh, server update. Uh, this Unchained thing is that they're not content locking like they've done before. And, and they're not trying to arbitrarily create some classic server like Lord of the Rings did where they just lock out all of their other content. No, all of the content's available immediately. It's just that they've changed the core systems of the game, which tells me personally, again, this is just my opinion, that they're not going to just fuck it up. Because why would you do that? Why would you change the core of the game if you were just going to re-fuck it up? In Tryon's case, when they changed... The core of the game. They didn't really change the core of the game. They left many of the same systems intact in Arcage. And then we were all surprised when it all went to shit again. And the same problem started reoccurring. Well, they didn't change the core systems, you know? And we've heard Tryon say that themselves, that XL built the game on that basis of being monetized in that way. Uh, so apparently I got a question asked here. Um, it was from Fune. He said, what if MMO success is really all down to social crowd hype? Nothing to do with gaming, really. <laughs> well, you might laugh, but it actually is largely based on that. Um, my, my example and evidence for this is, once again, as I say all the time, and Limpos says all the time, MMORPGs or MMO whatever you add to the, the end of it are inferior games if you subtract the MMO part. They are, right? If you take MMO away from wow it's a pretty poor rpg right and so in a weird way the social crowd hype and the social elements and the whole well let's all play it together groups yeah that kind of is the game so it's funny that you bring that up but yeah that actually is a huge part of mmo culture and always has been been a huge part of mmo culture the social hype the elements of like come on let's go do it together let's hey let's uh let's work together we want to get this we want to get that you talk about what you want to work on and like right now for example in uh, Classic WoW, we're trying to figure out, all right, once I hit level 25 on my Hunter, I'm trying to come up with an RP event. 
So I'm going to send out some messages to some of my guildmates and ask them, hey, I want you guys to go out and wow right now. Look for locations that we can attack and lock down effectively and areas in which we could potentially have like a lore reason for wanting to attack. And I'm going to use them as the scouts, you know, they're going to be the scout of the army. And then once they find some places that are that are suitable, I'll go check it out with them. And then we'll be like, hey, now we're going to do our event here. And that's what MMOs are about, right? They're about like doing things as a social group. So, yeah, in a way, it is kind of like, hey, come on, guys, let's all come play this game together. Come on, social, social. That is kind of what it is in a, in a way. Does that make sense? If I if I never make sense to you guys, by the way, let me know, because sometimes I can I can rant a bit and forget where I'm at. But I always like to make a point and have you guys lean or leave here learning something or knowing something or at least learning or thinking that I'm saying something of substance, I should say. Think Eve without the MMO. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, Stellaris is already slow enough for me, man. I couldn't imagine Eve without the MMO parts. Um, I want to hear your opinion. Archage Unchained, do you think it will be the Archage revival as Final Fantasy once had? It's a much different scenario. The optics are much different. And here's what I mean. Um, in, in Final Fantasy's 14, in Final Fantasy 14's case, and this is something I will always give them credit for, and why, although you hear me conceptually rag on uh, Final Fantasy 14 as an MMO, I think it's a good game, and I think it did a lot of good. And, and the example of that is that I, I did a video about Final Fantasy 14 called Life of a Game. It's not one of my more watched videos, so a lot of people maybe don't think that I'm aware of kind of that story, but I chronicled it. I find it fascinating how after launching 1.0 and seeing the amount of failure that <clears throat> it, it was facing, developers are on the stage literally crying about how bad their game is, saying they wish they could fix it, saying they want to change things. They want to set things right. They want to fix it for their fans. And then they did a Realm Reborn in like less than two years. And the game was shut down for a good portion of that. And that's why a lot of that early game content is kind of not so fun is that it was literally a race against the clock to let's not kill, have to kill our game. Let's keep it alive. The point that I'm trying to make here is that they were taking it on the chin. Like they were like that fighter who gets knocked out and shows up at the press conference after and is like, yo, man, I got my ass kicked, but I'm still trying to get better. They were that guy, right? Or girl. They were that person. And uh, they got a lot of credit for that. They got a lot of support for that. People came out and, and played Final Fantasy 2.0, uh, The Realm Reborn, more than they played the first game. Because it was more accessible, but also it just had all this interesting story to go with it and narrative. Where that's different than Arcage for me is that Arcage has had its name and well, if you will, figuratively poisoned metaphorically over and over and over and over again with business strategies and the microtransactions and new updates that ruin certain things and glitching and people uh, exploiting to get housing in the game. Things like that is what people remember when they think of Arcage at the grand scale. And Arcage Unchained could be the time for them to start to slowly write that wrong because you're not going to write it overnight. You're not. That's not what Final Fantasy XIV did. They, they didn't just throw up around me born and all of a sudden it was right. They consistently were trusted as a, as, a, as a company by their player base, and they told them, we will not abandon this game. 
So I think if Gamago shows up with Archage Unchained, does exactly what they say they're going to do, you're going to have a big revival. But it's never going to be like Final Fantasy XIV. It's because of all of the other stuff that, like the optics, as I said, are just totally different. Time for the next Life of a Game episode on Archage. <laughs> I mean, that's not a bad idea. I'll consider it. I'll, I don't know if I could get it out before the game came out. Hmm, maybe. If I can finish this next uh, Death of a Game on Shadowrun, which is the next Death of a Game, guys. Uh, Shadowrun. Speaking of games that have really cool aspects and, and fun um, uh, instances, and yet as a whole game doesn't really satisfy, um, more people played Shadowrun on the demo than they played the actual game. <laughs> uh, it's probably the case for a lot of MMOs as well, but that's probably because of the business models. You got a, a new Death of a Game topic, Anthem. Anthem is planned, and I'm I, trust me, I've been saving Anthem for one of the big ad months. Hey, I'm a business guy too, and I'm trying to make a living out of this. I'm trying to save that for like December, November, where it's going to get really juicy ad revenue. Ad revenue in, in, in December, boys. Y'all don't have to do anything different. Just keep watching, supporting, and hopefully liking my videos. If you do like them, hopefully you do. If you don't, tell me why you don't in my feedback sections on my uh, Discord, or in a comment. I pretty much read them all. If you would bring this episode before the Arcage, uh, imagine the views and the huge hype about it. That's a good point. Do tackle me on the Anthem one. I will, Card, and I want your help on that one. Um, like, I can't say this enough, guys, but sometimes I think people might, might get the wrong idea uh, of me, because they look at my produced videos and they think man he knows so much but it's like is it really just me knowing everything in my head or is it i figured it out it's more that i figured it out right i i i, I got the events that happened with this given game lined them up on a timeline and was like okay this happened here and then this happened so maybe this is connected that's all i was doing i don't just know everything right and so i think it's very important um like like card was mentioning to go to people who have a lot more of a close uh, experience playing a game. And um, sometimes you can't just trust your own opinion of a game. So I don't ever just make a death of a game and play the game myself and just be like, okay, that's my opinion. There you go, my video. No, 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 no. That's not how good criticism works or analysis. That's just one opinion. I'm just one opinion, even if I'm a big opinion, even if a lot of people care about my opinion, I'm still just one opinion. Now, that's where it gets a little bit dicey because technically I'm one opinion but I impact a lot more people than just one person. And that's where it gets a little bit complicated when it comes to influence. It's like, I can't just say something that's blatantly wrong that could be misrepresented or taken in some other way, which is why I try not to offer so much of my personal perspective in my videos and try and keep it more about the events and what the events mean. Is because if I can keep it like that as much as possible, then I can always make sure that I'm getting as much experience as I can. And for example, Maybe I talk to Card about Anthem because he played the game uh, considerably and I can ask him about his opinion. But that doesn't mean that I'm not going to ask anybody else. In fact, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to, to, to uh, Origin. I'm going to go read uh, YouTube comments, reviews, critic reviews, meta Metacritic scores, uh, articles that talk about maybe why the game didn't do well. I'm going to read it all and then try and formulate a thought about why the game didn't do well. I don't just play it and then be like here's my opinion i don't really like it 
I think that's why so much YouTube criticism sucks, honestly, is that people are too reliant on relying on only their opinion for a video. Not saying that that's not cool and that can't be entertaining. Just call them a first impressions video, right? But you're not doing analysis if you're only looking at your own perspective for something. That's not really analysis. I'm just telling you a subjective opinions, basically. Um, but that's what I really try and stress with the Death of a Game series is when I, when I tell you a perspective, I'm not just telling you my perspective. Um, I'm telling you a general perspective that a lot of people are repeating over and over again. So it's a pattern that I've recognized and realized, well, people keep saying this is an issue, so clearly it's an issue. Otherwise, they wouldn't just keep saying it's an issue, right? So anyway, like, I like to always throw that caveat in there. Um, but that's a good idea. Doing an arcade video before they launch, that would be a good idea. Off-topic question, do you think Bioware is doomed if uh, Dragon Age 4 fails? You know, there's a lot of pe people's jobs on the line, and I also care a lot about that company, even if not a lot of the same guys are there, just from um, nostalgia and also just wishing the best for it um, from an artistic perspective. It's not looking good for Bioware, man. It hasn't been looking good for them for a while. Doing this Anthem video is not going to make me very happy, and it's probably going to be kind of sad, honestly. Because I love Bioware, or loved Bioware, and it's definitely going to be sad to cover them in Anthem. And I hope I don't have to cover them on my series uh, as a company, but trust me, if they die, they're one of the first companies I would cover um, immediately. Just because they mean that much to the market, you know? Or at least they did. That's what makes you great. You see yourself as a small pixel on a bigger picture. Huh. I like the way you put that. You, you use the, the podcast name. <laughs> Only thing I want to know is uh, what is the change from 32-bit to 64-bit client? Is the graphics better or what? So somebody who's technically savvy in chat will explain this much better than I can. Um, maybe someone like Card. But um, for my technical guys in chat, if you guys could answer that. In the meantime, I'll try and answer it in my non-super tech savvy way, which is essentially it has to do with, um, it has to do with the application. How the, uh, how the applications ran. And I think that that could impact crashing and um, maybe boot speed or like loading up like boot issues and, and, and things of that nature. But I don't really think it's going to affect the graphical fidelity. Right? Yeah, okay. Someone's saying um, performance, um, being able to use more than just 3.5 gigs of RAM. A 64-bit allows for more CPU processing power potentially, but not often used. Uh, and then Floridan says it accesses more of your RAM. As window advances, 64 uh, will handle better. Okay. So it seems like it's largely a positive thing that they've upgraded their client to 64 then. Um, hmm. Curious about that as well. I, uh, one thing's for sure. We should get this out of the way before I end my podcast today. If uh, Gamago does not nail that launch, boy, they're in a lot of trouble already. Because people are going to be way more fickle because they've already trusted them before. Like, not Gamago, but they've trusted Arcage before. I think about that, and that does worry me a little bit as well. Is like, I hope those guys are not going to pull another Blizzard, basically. I don't think they have the resources to pull a Blizzard, first off. Um, but second off, they've already shown that it's just not the way to do it. <laughs> you can't keep creating servers and then shutting them down. Like, it's not good for your player base. 
<clears throat> running 32-bit these days is insane. There's no point for it. 64-bit means that you can truly use what your PC can use. It can actually, but it all depends on the implementation, of course. Well, thanks for uh, answering that, everybody in chat. I appreciate that. That's that's why I like having you guys here. Besides, like, you're the whole purpose I'm here. <laughs> but having you guys here is what makes the conversation a conversation, you know? Instead of, like, just me talking at uh, uh, a camera, which I find that some streamers will do that. And if that's your thing, that's your thing. Maybe you have a huge audience. You can't really engage with your chat. I get that. But, like, I'm an MMO player. Obviously, I want to engage with my audience. So I like Twitch for that reason. And um, before people ask, I chose Twitch over YouTube just because I don't want to put all my eggs in the same basket of YouTube when they already have kind of put me over on some things already. Like, I'm just saying, I don't think I'm going to have those same problems on Twitch. It doesn't seem like I would, considering my content is not very controversial in that sense. But on YouTube it is because it has death in the name or, you know, people write angry comments on my video. I guess, I don't know. You think they will pull another blizzard? <laughs> Needing technical knowledge at midnight. Next time I will make an ally tune and hunt you down. <laughs> no. With the excuse to not uh, putting in many servers and not merge them after weeks already when the big mass is leaving. You're probably right. But I'm going to ask them that personally. I'm going to reach out to Gamago. I hope they get back to me. But I'd like to put some of uh, my... Um, correspondence with them in the video that I want to do about it. You being on Twitch is also more interactive and you reach and you reach a wider audience. Well, people don't see that. It's kind of like um what's that saying you you miss the 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 tree for the for the bushes or whatever? Anyone know that you miss the bushes for the tree? It it reminds me of that where it's like people see it as well your audience is much bigger on YouTube, so why not just stream to them? Okay, you're right. If I stream to them, I probably would get more people to watch me. But is the stream audience overall bigger on YouTube? No. So it might seem bigger initially, but that's just because I'm a small Twitch streamer. If I was a bigger Twitch streamer, then obviously it would seem much bigger to me, right? And my potential to be bigger would be much be uh, bigger, if that makes sense. That'd be great if you can reach them. Tell them, put a lot of servers, don't make this baby mistake and fail already on day one. I agree. Miss the forest for the tree? There you go, Lempos. I'm glad somebody's here to know what my nature analogy is. Somebody who actually goes outside. Oh yeah, you said midnight. I was thinking midnight for myself. It probably is midnight for you. Uh, does anybody else have any questions they'd like to get to before I, I finish things up? Because um, I think I'm about to end up uh, stopping the podcast today. It was a nice one. I'm glad everybody joined me today. Today was one of the more watched podcasts, so I'd like to um, thank everybody for stopping by and watching episode 48 of the uh, Six Pixels Under podcast. We talked a bit about Arcage Unchained, Perea Chronicles being canceled, and a bunch of other MMO talk rants, and of course we had our weekly MMO roundtable. Um, right now, just some final questions for anybody else, if you'd like to ask me anything. Outside, what is that? It's a, it's a DLC that... Um, is a games and service. Uh, it's a gas. It's a games as a service. So requires a lot of upkeep, hey, tons of microtransactions. You've got the wrong guy. Honestly, graphics are a little bit overrated. I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, MGPT. I appreciate the uh, the sub, by the way. Oh, that's a that's a that's a gift to your sub. Thanks, Systemic, for giving MGPT a sub. He's a 
longtime supporter of the podcast and also channel. Respawn timers also suck. Yeah, there's not branching story. Branching story, you know, you can't save scum in real life. How am I supposed to go back and know what the other dialogue options are? Like, you ever go to the, the store and, like, somebody treats you like shit and you kind of want to, like, pause the game and then reload it and be like, man, what did you just say to me, mister? And then just, like, start throwing bread at him or something? Like, whatever the equivalent of that in real life is, that's the equivalent of me doing that save scumming in a video game. Is where you, like, you pause it, you save scum, and then you're, like, you load back in, you're like, screw you, mister, and you, like, fight the guy and then you reload the save. <laughs> I've always thought about that in the real world, like, hmm, how would I play this scenario differently? And you think, like, what would happen if you did this one thing? All right, it looks like things are slowing down. People are talking about ESO slowing down, which it does seem like it's slowing down, um, at least from my outside perspective. I haven't examined it so closely in a bit. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's it, everybody. Um, somebody wanted me to mention... Something that was uh, pretty cool, Arcadian mentioned earlier in chat that um, uh, Once Lost Games, which is the company or group that was formed by uh, Indigo Gaming, our friend Indigo Gaming, uh, Ted Peterson, and also one other guy, which I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Uh, where is it? Oh, uh, Julian Lefay. Julian Lefay. Uh, oh, and also, also uh, Stefan Metaxa. So you've got four different um, uh, smart and intelligent and also very well-versed in Elder Scrolls and also uh, creation of such games. Um, of course, everybody remembers uh, Ted Peterson as being one of the original designers of the game and also the writer for all of the lore, quest, world building, and the books that were scattered throughout the game, which I read religiously. But I wanted to shout that out before I left today. Uh, they came up with a company because they want to work on a game together. Of course, a bunch of like-minded guys who talk about Elder Scrolls and make Elder Scrolls and play Elder Scrolls still um, want to make another game that maybe is inspired from something of that sort. So they came up with uh, the company name Once Lost Games, and they created a community Discord, which I don't know if anyone has the link uh, handy right now, but it's the Council of Wisdom is the name of it. And you can just go to Indigo's uh, Twitter if you if you want to find it himself or itself. It's Indigo Gaming on Twitter. Also, just follow me. He's on my Twitter. I'm sure somebody could also uh, just link that. But yeah, anyway, Council of uh, Wisdom is kind of like the original idea they had uh, when when they made Elder Scrolls back in the day, which is like a place where people go, provide feedback, bounce ideas back and forth, theory craft, and talk about all things RPGs. So. If you're interested in being involved in game development, uh, either through like voluntary basis or just involved in some other kind of way, maybe just curiosity, I recommend going and joining that Discord and maybe uh, potentially impacting what next game gets created by these very talented uh, RPG creators and, uh, of course, Indigo, who's a very uh, talented content creator. So anyway, go support those guys. I ain't got nothing else. Just trying to support people who deserve good support. I'm going to say goodbye to you guys. I'm going to thank you again for stopping by. Except this time I'm going to hit you with the intro music. And say goodbye and thanks for joining me on Monday. It's 4.49 p.m. Happy Labor Day, everybody. Hope you have a good rest of your Monday. Enjoy yourself. And also, 
enjoy yourself playing MMOs. Whether you're playing Classic WoW, maybe you'll play Arcade Unchained, or you're playing whatever MMO out there right now that tickles your fancy. Keep playing them. Keep telling people about them. And just uh, as I always say, I like to leave with a little bit of a call to arms in all of my videos and my streams. Just don't stop being you. Don't stop being unique. And don't stop banging the drum that MMOs can be good games. And they deserve to be good games. Eventually. At some point, we'll get there. Anyway, here's the music, guys. Mm -hmm.